1: Hello, everybody. Good Sunday afternoon. This is Monica Jones, your host for arts. Welcome to the afternoon radio theater Sunday. And um, I hope I've got a lot of good stuff lined up for you. So I hope you'll sit back and and uh, enjoy the show and give us comments, feedback. If you want to try to find us, of course, so I'm going to assume that if you're listening, you found us. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, Victor, my cohort, um, my co-host, he makes me do this every week. But I do um, <laughs> not. He doesn't even give me a hamburger. You can reach us on Facebook, Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? Um, and um, just, you know, like us, um, subscribe, um, hit your notification button, and um, then you should be notified every time we come on the air. And um, you can find us on Twitter at Blind Whos. That's B-L-I-N-D-W-H-O-S-E. Or you can email us at whose blind life is it anyway at gmail.com and that's who's W-H-O-S-E. So you can find us on any podcast catcher, Spotify, Apple, uh, Anchor, um, QCast, anywhere that you can find podcasts, you can you can find us. Last week I had a request for the Bickersons. And uh, that's a real funny um, old-time radio show. It's a comedy. I'm doing family comedies again this week because uh, I didn't get to do the Bickersons last weekend. But anyway, this is a nice little show. So anyway, uh, this first one is called Second Honeymoon. So kick back and enjoy.
2: Now, here are Donna Amici and Frances Langford as John and Blanche Bickerson in The Honeymoon is Over. Like most married women, Blanche Bickerson is a romanticist. Having talked poor husband John into taking her on a second honeymoon, 3 o'clock in the morning finds Mrs. Bickerson in the lobby of a small hotel at Niagara Falls. Exhausted and bleary-eyed from the long drive, John Vickerson unloads the luggage outside as his wide-awake wife talks to the night clerk. Listen.
3: It doesn't really matter about the room as long as we have a nice view of the falls. Yes, ma'am. I'll bet you don't remember me. No, ma'am. But well, I wouldn't expect you to with all the honeymoon couples you meet. I was here seven years ago. Is that so? Yes. Well, better luck this time. Oh, we're still married to each other. We're just having a second honeymoon. Do many people do that? No, ma'am. I wonder why.
4: I wouldn't know, ma'am. Are you married? No, ma'am. Arthritis makes me walk like this.
3: Oh. Would you please sign the
4: register, ma'am? Oh,
3: I'm sorry. Last time we were here, we had to wait two days for a room. We stayed in a motel in Buffalo. Here you are.
2: Thank you. Is that Bickerson?
3: Yes. Did I find it right? Yes, ma'am. Mrs. John Bickerson and husband. (laughs) Here's the key, room 318. There's the automatic elevator over there. We don't have any
5: bellboys at night.
3: Oh, that's all right. I'll go out to the car and get my husband. John! Where is he? He's not in the car. I wonder if he took the luggage out of the truck compartment. (laughs) Good heavens. (laughs)
1: Insane. <laughs> oh, son, John, no.
3: get out of that trunk, you darn fool! No. John, John, John! Wait, wait, wait!
4: What's the matter? Shut the door. There's a trap. Come out of
3: that thing! All right, all right, all right. Don't pull. Oh my! <laughs> that luggage and straighten yourself up oh. I don't want you to go into that nice hotel looking like a ragamuffin Get nice
4: muffins grab a couple of these bags with you, bunch
3: no it wouldn't look right on our honeymoon come on
4: oh my back where's the bellboy we don't have any at night are you the clerk yes sir where's the register I want a room with a bed
3: I've already signed it you've got a room
4: good where are you gonna sleep
3: <laughs> come on John stop dragging your feet
4: I drove 2,000 miles for a second honeymoon lead me to my room
3: I had to talk like that in front of the clerk.
4: Oh, let me sleep, will you, Blanche?
3: I just love to go one place with you that you didn't embarrass and humiliate me. You've been unbearable since we left home. Keep going. In here? Yes. Pull the bags in so I can close the door.
4: No windows, no nothing. How much do they get for this broken-down room?
3: This is the elevator. Oh. Oh. <laughs>
4: the button or something and get it started. I can't keep my eyes open another minute.
3: I was afraid this would happen. I hoped that going on a second honeymoon would bring us closer together.
4: can't get closer than this. <laughs> Unless you throw the luggage out.
3: Every time I want you to be romantic, you, you're so distant, John. What is it that's keeping us apart?
4: The brown suitcase.
3: <laughs> what poor
4: are we on? I'm sleepy. You're
3: always sleepy. When you're not sleepy, you're humiliating me. I'll never be able to face that night clerk in the morning.
4: You won't have to. Why not? There'll be a day clerk. <laughs> Which way is the room?
3: I don't know and I don't care. I'm going to stay in the elevator.
4: Oh, come on. Will you, Blanche? Well, say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Now, where's our room?
3: Right in front of you, 318.
4: Well, open the door before I collapse. Oh, thank heaven, I gotta get some
3: sleep Well, put the lights on, don't stumble around in the dark
4: Don't want to open my eyes Just aim me at the bed and give me a shove
3: I'm not gonna let you sleep until you undress properly and unpack the luggage Oh,
4: Blanche, why did you have to bring so much stuff?
3: You've got as much stuff as I have
4: I have not, all I brought was my toothbrush and my overnight bottle
3: (laughs) You and that bourbon You wouldn't take five steps away from home without
4: it. Well, I still remember what happened when we got snowbound in that cabin.
3: It wasn't so terrible. Oh,
4: not much. I had to live for two weeks on nothing but food and water.
3: (laughs) Don't throw my things around like that.
4: There's no closet. Where shall I put these dresses?
3: In the drawers. Where
4: do you want these drawers?
3: In the dresser. (laughs) Hold up your pants neatly and put them under the mattress. Okay. Well, take them off first, John. Oh, (laughs) Fool I was to think you'd change? This is, second honeymoon was just as big a mistake as our first one.
4: Oh no, it wasn't. <laughs> I'm
3: so sorry you made me go on this trip. I could die. I made
4: you go. You shanghaied me. You even tried to get me to marry you again.
3: Was that such an unreasonable request?
4: Yes, it isn't legal.
3: Why not? A man
4: can't be punished twice for the same crime.
3: <laughs> oh, that's too bad about you. Oh, you shame me in front of all my friends after I sent the invitations out, too
4: Well, I wasn't going to have any formal wedding and put out a lot of dough to feed your hungry friends and their squalling brats
3: There wouldn't have been any brats there at all
4: How do you know?
3: Because it said plainly on the invitation, Mr. and Mrs. John Vickerson will be married March 9th, no children expected
4: <laughs> Put out the lights
3: I'm never going back to that horrible apartment we live in i going to sit here and stare at the falls forever wouldn't hurt you to look at them, either.
4: I see them every day on a shredded wheat box.
3: <laughs> how can you be so cynical? I'm glad I have a little romance in my soul. Just the sight of those falls bring back memories. No. Sit up, John. Look at that cascade. Doesn't it remind you of something? Yeah. What, John?
4: I think I left the water running in the bathtub. <laughs>
3: John, you didn't.
4: Okay, I didn't. Good night, Blanche.
3: I never should have trusted you to lock up. Now I'm really worried. Did you close all the windows?
4: Close the windows.
3: You didn't leave any lights burning, did you? Mm. Did you leave food for the cat?
4: That's enough for a week.
3: What did you leave him?
4: A six-pound tin of corned beef.
3: <laughs> did you empty it into a plate? No. Well, how do you expect the cat to eat it?
4: I left the can opener on top. <laughs> Stop worrying about that cat.
3: We should have taken all the animals with us. Poor little canary's locked in the cage. The cat can't get out of the house, and who's going to feed the goldfish? Oh, that they're terribly unhappy
4: Oh, they're not unhappy They're having a fine vacation They are not They are, too When I left, the cat was fishing really? <laughs> Where? In the goldfish bowl And he was using the canary for bait Oh, <laughs> <laughs> go to sleep the Canary and the goldfish are fine And I wish that cat had dropped
3: dead Don't talk like that I love that cat When I get home, I'm going to enter him in a cat show
4: what for? He couldn't win anything.
3: Maybe not, but he'd meet an odd and nice cat.
4: Please, <laughs> will you, Blanche?
3: I'm not sleepy. Why don't you sit up and talk to
4: me? Blanche, people don't talk at four o'clock in the morning.
3: You talked until five o'clock on our first honeymoon. Oh. You kept reciting poetry and telling me how beautiful I was. Do you remember what you said, John? No. You told me your love for me was like a raging inferno. You said you had a fierce fire blazing in your breast like a live coal. What happened to it, John?
4: It's only a clinker now.
3: (laughs) How can you say such terrible things
4: to me? Blanche, I'm so sleepy, I don't know what I'm saying.
3: I'd like to hear you say things like that to Gloria Gooseby.
4: (laughs) can't I even go to my Falls without Gloria Gooseby? The
3: only reason you didn't was because she wouldn't have you. What? You proposed to her 15 times before you proposed to me, you big second fiddle, you.
4: I never proposed to Gloria Gooseby and you know it And the next time I see her,
3: I'm going to punch her husband Leo right in the nose What have you got against Leo? He's a better husband than you are And I'm sick of hearing that
4: too Leo Gooseby is a cheap, chiseling bum He is not He's more generous than you Would Leo Gooseby give you a new dress? No Would he give you a new hat? No Would he give you a mink coat? No Would
3: you give me a mink coat? No, why should I give you anything Leo would give you? <laughs> you wake
4: up the whole hotel Well, stop goading me You want me to do nothing But
3: fight, fight, fight No, I... <laughs> all I do is ask for proof That you love me And you go into a tent. Blanche,
4: what more proof do you want? I tell it to you A thousand times a day I raise a new crop of freckles To spell out I love you I painted it on all The Burma shave signs
3: Honey Somebody's at the door, John
6: Honey
4: Honey! Honey! Madam, this is not a beehive! It's my bedroom! People <laughs> <laughs> wandering around in the halls at this time on night fault, broken down the hotel.
3: Don't be so crabby. It's probably some nice little bride who can't find her husband. Maybe lost.
4: If he isn't lost, he's hiding. <laughs> The lights, Blanche. i got a vile headache.
3: (laughs) Well, nobody told you to yell your brains out.
4: Good night. If
3: you just stand here and look at the falls for a few minutes, your headache will go away and you'll sleep fine.
4: Hmm.
3: Where does all that water come from? I once read that it goes over at the rate of 346,000 gallons a second. John. Mm
4: Yeah.
3: Are the falls higher on the American side or the Canadian side? I don't know. I'll have to find out in the morning. What a majestic spectacle. I'm convinced there's nothing in the world like Niagara Falls.
4: Except you, Blanche.
3: Really, John? Why do you say that? Because
4: you never dry up either.
1: <laughs> okay, did, did y'all enjoy that one as much as I did? Now we got one more we're going to do. Um, and th- the reason I'm doing two is because I just couldn't decide what I wanted to do last week so I decided to stick two of them in here and um, for the person who requested it they'll have uh, double enjoyment. So this first one is Amos borrows the car.
4: And Francis Langford, as John and Blanche Bickerson, with Danny Thomas's brother Amos, in the honeymoon is over. The Bickersons have retired. Mrs. Bickerson tosses restlessly, while her husband John, victim of an
2: obscure type of insomnia which manifests itself in constant and instantaneous sleep,
4: exhibits the following symptoms of the dread disease. Listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: well, I'm just not going to stand another minute, John. John, sit up. Come on, sit right straight upright. Take off that sleep shade.
4: What's the matter, Watson?
3: You're making me a nervous wreck with that snoring.
4: It's just your imagination. I never snore,
3: John. How you can have the audacity, John? If you weren't snoring just then, what were you doing?
4: Well, how do I know, Blanche? I was sleeping.
3: Well, that kind of sleep is no good for you.
4: Well, I love it.
3: It doesn't leave you rested. I hope you haven't forgot that you start working a new job tomorrow morning. Mm. Your last one, you gave up because you were wide, wide awake. Blanche,
4: you... I didn't give up my old job. You quit for me.
3: It's a good thing I did. You weren't making enough anyway.
4: Well, the new job pays less.
3: I know, but the hours are longer.
4: Uh, what kind of reasoning do you call that?
3: There's more time to advance yourself You'd do a lot better, John, if you patterned yourself after my brother Amos
4: I hate your brother Amos
3: At least he's a go-getter
4: But well, then why doesn't he go get a job? He doesn't
3: need to Amos is a fluid businessman He can get things from people
4: sure, he got plenty for me, all right
3: You're just jealous He makes good everywhere he goes Even in the army, he works himself up to a field marshal
4: he worked himself up to a buck private.
3: You know very well we got word that they made him a field marshal.
4: He was a private and he was court-martialed, not field Well,
3: what's
4: the
3: difference? Court-martial, field marshal? Uh... Did you set
4: the alarm clock?
3: Yes, I set the alarm clock. What time did you set it for?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I wanted you to give yourself plenty of time, and from now on, you're going to eat breakfast with me before you leave. Okay. When you get it ready, just call me downstairs. <laughs>
4: Get what ready? Breakfast.
3: It won't hurt you to prepare breakfast for both of us. Leo Boopie does it all the time. He brings us to Gloria on a tray.
4: Blanche, why don't you let me sleep?
3: Well, I like that. I don't let you sleep.
4: You can say that again.
3: It's your own snoring that wakes me up and makes me wake you to stop it so you can get enough sleep so you won't be tired from sleeping the way you do.
4: You can't say that again.
3: <laughs> well, don't mix me up. I'm the one who never sleeps. I'm worried right now for fear you won't get up in time
4: to go to work. I'll get up in time. I can dress fast.
3: Your shirts aren't back from the laundry.
4: Well, then I'll wear the one I wore today.
3: You will not. You wear a clean one if you have to wash and iron it yourself. (laughs) Okay. You say it now, but you won't do it. I will. You'd better do it
4: now. Get up and wash your shirt. Wash your shirt. Blanche, are you out of your mind? It's almost four o'clock in the morning.
3: Well, by the time you get through with the shirt, you can start making breakfast. <laughs> I never
4: heard of you know how I have to wrestle myself to sleep. And when I finally do, you lie there just waiting to wake me up like some. Some jungle prowling alligator.
3: Alligators don't prowl in the jungle. Well, why do
4: I care?
3: you would want the shirt quick enough if you were going to see Gloria Gooseby. I don't
4: need a shirt to see Gloria Gooseby.
3: I believe that. Now, don't you start packing these things again. With that kind of bait, you'd be trapped every time, brother. Oh,
4: Gloria Gooseby. I wish I'd never seen the woman in my life.
3: So do I. You're not the same person you used to be, John.
4: What's the matter now?
3: Whenever you're alone with me, you just sit and mope. I don't mope at all. I'll bet you're sorry you married
4: me. I am not. You never say you're happy. Well, I feel very happy. Well, then why
6: don't you say it? I'm the happiest man in the world!
4: (laughs) Now, are you satisfied?
3: No, there's something missing, John. (laughs) All our friends have such fun. With their children, I mean. The Goosebees have a baby. The Flackers have a baby. and Yesterday, the Mormons had a baby.
4: Everybody has a baby. Blanche, it's four o'clock in the morning. (laughs)
3: Such a beautiful little thing. Weighed eight and a half pounds.
4: That's wonderful.
3: They haven't decided on a name yet. I wonder why you think of... (laughs) John. John. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wake up. I thought of a good name.
4: Go to sleep. i thought of a bad one. <laughs> I'll phone them
3: in the morning. Did you pull the stopper out of the alarm clock?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Did you set it for six? Seven. That won't give you enough time. You'd have to be at work by nine.
4: Plenty of time. I can leave here at eight thirty. There's
3: no train after seven.
4: I don't need a train, I'm driving.
3: I'm afraid you'll have to take the train.
4: You've taken my car.
3: Sir. It isn't here.
4: Yes, it's in the garage.
3: No, it isn't. I lent it to Amos. Well, then I'll... <laughs> you what? I lent it
4: to Amos. You wanted to go to the race. Track. Frank, no. No, you couldn't. Not my car. Don't get so excited. He promised to bring it back Tuesday. Tuesday?
3: It's, it's a new car. <laughs> he can't bike. He has got a license. Why did you do that? Well, he wanted to go to the race track, and he'd have to get up so early if he took the but train. it's all right for me to take a train, huh? It's all
4: right for me to go without sleep. And I'm going to work, not the race
3: track. Well, Amos has a chance of making a lot more money than you. Now, look, Blanche. Maybe you wouldn't have to go to work either if you get friendlier with Amos. Ah, will he's the right kind of people and always manages to figure out some money-making scheme, and he's bound to be a millionaire. Then why is he
4: keep borrowing for me? If
3: you're foolish enough to lend him things, you shouldn't complain. <laughs> go to
4: sleep. Go no, to sleep, <laughs> she does. Sleep. I waited four years for that car. Never even had my hands on the wheel. And she gives it to that irresponsible maniac. Tomorrow morning I'll have the pleasure of opening my garage door
3: and not finding my beautiful
4: car. You won't find the garage door either. Why not? Linda <laughs> knocked it off as he was backing up. Oh. The is out. Oh! Garage too narrow anyway. Go to sleep, John. Oh, what are you, you going to do with a woman like that? This is too much. Hmm. Car is too narrow. Hmm. Never able to sleep again. Long time. <laughs> Mm-hmm.
3: John, get up.
4: Okay, okay. Feels like I didn't sleep at all. How do you shut this darn thing off? Where's the stopper?
3: Put down the alarm clock. It's the
4: phone. Oh, <laughs> oh! I knew it couldn't be the alarm because I just not oh. oh! Put the
3: lights on. The lights are on. You've got the pillowcase on your head. Oh!
4: Where am I? Hello, Jaco. Mr. Damon. Rock Jones. Oh, wait, Eamon, Yes? Yeah. Where, uh, where are you? Where, where's my car? Can you stand a shark, Jocko? <laughs> no. Hey, you know that thousand you lent me? Well, I went to the track and I got to worrying about it, see? So I made a few bets for you. I got $300 for you. Huh? You won that much? Oh, no, I lost. But, but the $300? Well, I was so worried about losing that I ran your car into a truck. I sold it on a spot to a gentleman. I Oh, Amos, Amos, you didn't. Oh,
3: yeah,
4: I'll bring you the money in the morning. So long, Jacko. Amos, Amos. It's the end of the world. Don't lights, Blanche. I'm weak. Let me get back in bed. Why should one man have so much. Oh! Oh! Right in the mouth. Oh! John, did you hurt yourself? What's the difference? I was going to have these two teeth pulled out. Goodbye, Blanche.
1: Okay, y'all, this next one, it's uh, it's called Easy Aces, and um, it's like a little short cereal that came on every day, five days a week, and uh, it's pretty good. It's not as uh, popular as Lum and Abner, and um, Amos and Andy, and some of those guys, but it, uh, it was pretty good. Um, and... Jane, the wife, she's always into something kind of causing trouble or getting her nose out of joint or just plain being nosy. So, um, anyway, y'all enjoy.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, Easy Aces. At the home of Mr. and Mrs. Ace Better known to radio fans as the Easy Aces
2: Here we will find Mr. Ace The patient, long-suffering husband His wife Jane With whom he tries to be patient But winds up suffering And Jane's school day friend Marge Who lives with the Aces From time to time we shall meet other characters Who people this hilarious comedy of domestic life But at the moment We find Jane,
5: Mr. Ace, and Marge Sitting around the living room after dinner Now, let's drop in and get acquainted as we find Mr. Ace with his evening papers, Marge with a book, and Jane writing a letter. She seems troubled. Listen.
7: Oh, I'm getting all mixed up here. Dear.
5: Yeah?
7: I'm having one of my bad spells again. How do you spell right? Right? Yes, I got it here in this letter I'm writing my sister, but it looks like I made a mistake. How do you spell it?
5: Well, uh, which right do you mean?
7: Which? How many
5: are there right, you know? Well, there's W-R-I-T-E and there's R-I-G-H-T. Which do you want?
7: Either one, just so I spell it right.
5: Just so you spell it right, huh? Yeah.
7: (laughs) Oh, that's funny, isn't it? Just so I spell it right. (laughs) Did did you get that one? Yes, I did. I think I did. I just got it myself. (laughs) Well, enough joking around. Um, How do you spell it, dear? Well, then how are you using it in the sentence? What are you saying ahead of it? Ahead of it? Uh, Let me see. The word ahead of it is last. Oh, last, right.
5: Well, that's R-I-T-E.
7: A new one came in, T E? Yeah, if
5: that's the way you're using it.
7: Then what are you saying to your sister about last rise? Oh, nothing in particular. All I'm saying is, uh, dear Ethel, I'm glad you found time to at last write me.
5: To at last write you? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that last rise. Yes, <laughs> how do you
7: spell that?
5: Uh, that's W-R-I-T-E.
7: With a W? Yes, (laughs) dear. Dear, have you been telling me wrong on purpose? No, you said last right.
5: I didn't know what you meant. Besides, you, uh, you shouldn't split an infinitive that way.
7: Who
5: did? You. You said to at last write you. To write is an infinitive, and you're splitting it with at last. You shouldn't do that.
7: How do you like that? I asked him a simple question about spelling right, and that's what comes out. Oh, <laughs> Isn't he disgusting, Marge? Yes. I've do the both. Look, Jane, you asked
5: me this. I didn't
7: start it. I said, how do you spell right? Marge, didn't I say, how do you spell right? You certainly did, <laughs> That's all I said. That's all I want to know. I don't want to know about infinitives. I'm sure Ethel doesn't want to know about infinitives. I'm sure she doesn't care if I split them or chop them or make hamburgers out of them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he doesn't, James. Yeah, I
5: take it back. I'm sure she wouldn't know an infinitive. What
7: are in you different... writing about, Jack? Oh, I'm trying to thank her for the book she sent me. Oh, yes, that book. Did you read it? Well,
5: sort of. What do you mean, sort of?
7: Well, you know, in a half-hazard way, I, uh, I skipped. No, Jane. Why Jane? Shame on you! Yes, I did. I couldn't help it. It didn't start out good. Aww. Oh, I thought it did then. I thought it was swell. I read it. Well, right away I didn't like the lover in the first chapter. You
8: didn't? No,
7: he was too swishy-washy. <laughs> oh, I know you shouldn't judge a book by its lover, but I don't know what to. <laughs> no, say. never judge a book by its lover. Uh, Jane, how
5: do you judge a book?
7: Well, I don't know. I guess I just judge it if I liked it or not. That's the only way I can tell.
5: Well. When when do you like it, and when don't you?
7: Well, oh, I don't know. Stop asking me so many questions. All I know is I didn't like that book. Maybe the movie will be better.
5: Yes, we'll wait for that.
7: Do you like to see a movie after you've read the book, or vice versa?
5: You mean, or read the movie after you've seen the book?
7: Yeah. No, did I say that? I oh, I know what you mean, Zed. Personally, I like to see a movie after I've read the book, just to see if the character's the same as I visualized them when I read the book according? I mean, I like to compare the movie with the characters as I pictured them when I read the book. Oh, I see what you mean, yes. Well, I always picture Ronald Coleman when I read a book. Always? Yes. Who do you? Well, I had not thought of it that way, Jane. I don't always picture the same person. Oh, I do. That's why I didn't like this book. I couldn't picture Ronald Coleman. And the things he kept saying to the girl. Oh, it was just... uh, Where is that book? Listen to some of these things. Here it is pretty bad, Marge. Wait till I find where he going uh, about don't start
5: reading the book to it. I'm
7: not. I don't like it. I just want to show you what I mean. Some of the things he says to her. Wait a minute. Oh, yes. Here. Listen to this. This is him talking. Is that right? Oh, no. This is him speaking. Yes, yeah,
5: that's better,
7: uh, Martha, you asked me a simple question. What about us? And I can only reply with a question. Is that important? Do we matter? Does anyone matter? Martha, there are moving forces abroad in the world today that will sweep us all into maternity. You see, dear, it's no fun. (laughs) Hey, let me read that book. That sounds very interesting. Oh, you can read it if you want to, but you won't like it. Oh, Daddy, will so. This book has been selected by the Book of the Month Club. Yes, it would take about a month to read it, too. Oh, You can't even get interested in it. Oh, they don't write books like they used to, do they? Remember the books we used to read? Those were love stories. Why don't they write books like those? Books that make you cry and things like that. Yeah, uh,
5: Come down to my office. I'll show you some books that'll make you cry. Is yeah.
7: that what you do down there, read books? No, today? James. Uh, getting back to this book, then, uh, well, didn't you think it was well-written? Well-written? You mean no split incentives and, and things like that? Well, I uh, mean... Just it. a minute, Mark. You see how I learned, dear? Yes, Jane.
5: Excuse
7: me, Mark. Go ahead. Well, uh, I mean, this book has a message. Oh, if I want a message, I can call Western Union. Mm. Oh, I see. I'm not getting anywhere with you. <laughs> oh, but the books we used to read back home, Marge. Remember? Bagley mm, Jane. Oh, I don't. I remember every one of them. Remember the book we read called Marge? A book called Marge? Yes, we got her at the library after school one day. We took it because she was Marge's nameplate. My Marge, oh, nameplate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, the girl the story was about had the same name as Marge. Mm. Don't you remember that book, Marge? Well, we read it together and we both cried, except you. I read it twice. Don't tell me you don't remember that book, Marge. Oh, that was years ago. I'm afraid I've forgotten it. I'll tell you the story. Oh, then.
5: couldn't you have said you remembered it?
7: Mm, yes, it a mistake now. Well, uh, yes, I remember it very well, Jane. Oh, you do not. What was the story? Well, it was a story about a girl named Mar. Yeah, that's it. I thought you'd forgotten it. Uh-huh. Wasn't that a story? That was a story. Not like this book, Moving Forces Abroad in the World Today. What kind of talk is that for a fellow with a girl? Especially when they're alone. Oh, they're alone when he says this to her, you know. Did I tell you they were alone? Yes,
5: Jane, I think you did. Yeah. Yes,
7: they're alone. Hmm. and That's the way he talks. That's not the way they used to talk in the old books. Oh, those were the days.
5: Yeah, that was the life.
7: Yes, it's a great life if you don't waken. Hmm, you said it. But this book, Uggs.
5: Ugh. Oh. huh? Now,
7: on the other hand, take that record Ethel's husband sent us. Now, that's something. Oh, the record, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wrote him thanking him for it. I uh, wrote him a separate note. Here it is. Oh, have I sealed it? No. No. Listen to this. Dear Homer, thanks so much for the wonderful record you sent us. It's simply beautiful, and it was so thoughtful of you to send it. We've all had so much pleasure out of it that I can't begin to tell you, because Bing Crosby is our favorite, and we certainly are getting a kick out of this record. And you can imagine how much more we will enjoy it when we get a Victrola and play it. Oh, when we get a Victrola, we're really going to start enjoying it. Yes, yes. I thought it was very sweet of him to send yes. it. But I don't know how Ethel happened to pick a book like this, though. She usually sends us such nice things. Now, Jane, I don't think that's the right spirit. After all, it's not the gift, you know. It's the spirit in which it was sent. Oh, yes. I shouldn't have said that, huh?
5: I should say you
7: shouldn't have. No, I shouldn't. I'm sorry. But anyhow, it is an awful book. Oh, what's the use use of kidding ourselves? Bing Crosby sings a song, and there's no moving forces abroad in the world. He just sings. I can understand that. But you
5: can't understand the book.
7: I certainly can't. I wish you would read it and see if you can. But you don't even read any books every night with that newspaper. Well,
5: there are moving forces abroad in the world today that the papers are full of That's what
7: I mean. I don't see how you can read those papers every day. Well,
5: I like to know the news, Jan.
7: Oh, it's the same thing every day, only about different people. That's all you find in those papers. Clear it down, read this book. Here, you know, I want you to read this from A of Benny's. I want you to see if I'm not right, that it's no good. Start reading it now. And I want you to read a little bit every night after dinner. Oh,
5: that's my homework, huh?
7: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, remember homework, Mark? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then you're in a reminiscing mood, aren't you? (laughs) Yes, aren't I? Remember how we used to do our homework real fast so we could read our books? That's when we read those beautiful love stories. Those lovers in those books used to say things to the girl that met something. You mean
5: when you used to think of him as Ronald Coleman?
7: No, in those days, it was Raymond the Navarro. Oh, Raymond Remember him, Mark? Well, I used to think about him all the time. I used to think about what I'd say when I met him.
5: Oh, you never met him, though? No,
7: I met you, dear. Oh. Well, what a lot nice club climax. Well, I've had
5: some real <laughs> competition, though, haven't I, Ronald Coleman, Raymond Navarro. Oh,
7: well, you're not so bad, dear. Thanks, Jane.
5: That's mighty decent of
7: you. <laughs> well, you're better than the fellow in that. Book? Oh, oh, that girl. book's very good. Don't listen to her. Marge, how can you say that? What little I read I can see right away is not gonna be good. He doesn't even marry Martha. Then how do you know that if you didn't read the whole book? I told you i skipped. Well, that's not fair. You're not in a position to judge a book that you only scan through. I know what I like and what I don't. This book is it. It's not only not interesting, but it's long, and the print is small, and it's too heavy to hold up in bed if you want to read before sleeping. And, oh, there's a lot of things wrong with the two humors to mention. Outside of that, though, it's all right. Outside of what? I mentioned everything wrong. It's just no good. Well, I guess I better get back to my letter. Yes,
5: I guess you better.
7: Uh, where was I? Oh, yes, it's W-R-I-T-E. Is that final, dear? Yes, James. Dear Ethel, I'm glad you found time to at last write me all right to write me at last i didn't say anything no but i saw that tone in your eye now don't bother me i want to finish this. uh
5: let me see well, here. you like that for starting an argument
7: well you did bring up the split infinitive yeah well did i know it was almost gonna split up our home then well, you should know better <laughs> and if you get time read this book you'll like it yes i know i will well i don't think i'll write anymore i said enough i think you finished then yeah i think so i said uh Dear Ethel, I'm glad you found time to write me at last. I want to thank you for the book you sent me. It was simply lovely. And I don't know when I enjoyed reading anything more. What, after all we just went through? (laughs) That's a But between you and I, it's no good. Jane, between you and me. Oh, I split another incentive, Mars. No, that's not a split. Oh,
1: okay i hope y'all liked easy aces if you did and you want to hear some more of them um let us know and and we'll get them for you um because i've got plenty of them right now and um so anyway but now we're gonna do one that most people know it's fibber mcgee and molly and i just love these guys and they are so talented especially um the lady that plays um, Mrs. McGee. Um, I think her name is Mary something or Marion something. But anyway, in real life they were a husband and wife. But one thing about Molly is that sometimes she played more than one character. And she would often play this little girl called Teenie that was a neighbor of theirs. And Teenie was always Coming around, and she would drive uh, Fibber just crazy. But um, anyway, and I didn't know for the longest that that was uh, her doing that part of that little girl, but it was. And um, so, anyway, um, it's called Hot Dog and a Blowout.
2: a shining half hour with Rico Martelli's orchestra, Kathleen Wells, Ronnie and Van, and starring those nutty nomads, those two traveling, truth-tripping troubadours, Fibber McGee and Molly.
5: <laughs> Marcelli
2: opens the show with a musical weather report in March Winds and April showers, with our Russian rhythm boys, Dustoff and Breitsky, singing the chorus.
6: Make way for happy hours and make time, you time, love time and you.
2: down the macadam in that jittering jalopy, but Fibber, McGee, and Molly.
9: We'd better be stopping for gas, McGee. According to the gauge, we've been running on a dry tank for 21 miles.
10: That ain't nothing. Nothing? Nope.
9: I mind the time I run a motorcycle from Cape Town, Africa
10: to Mongabula, a distance of some 612 miles on a pint of coconut milk. What I've done was... Never station. you
9: mind now. You needn't be practicing your dime novels on me, Fibber, McGee. Pull in that station there. I was
10: just going to... Better get them drinks. Um,
9: uh, uh, all right, folks. Yes? Ask him if he let you milk a coconut, McGee. <laughs>
10: oh, shut Surely want some gas, young fella. All
9: right, how much? Filler up. Well, no. Uh, how far is the target still? Eighty-three miles. And how far from there to Middletown?
2: Oh, I'd say about a hundred and ten. That makes, uh, let's see, eighty-three and a hundred and ten.
10: Oh, about two hundred altogether. That's just about what I figured. <coughs> Give me two gallons.
0: Uh,
10: wait, wait a minute. Uh, how, how much is it?
0: Well, uh, the red gas is eighteen
2: and a half cents. The blue gas is seventeen, and the white gas is fifteen.
10: Is that uh, the whitest <laughs> gas you got?
9: Mix up a gallon of blue and a gallon of red, Mister. Purple's my favorite color. All right, <laughs> all right. Hey,
2: uh, and there's a circus over in Milltown. You don't mean to be telling yep, that's why we're
10: going there. I used to own the big elephant they got in the circus there. Name's Myrtle. Myrtle, the gentle giant of the jungle. Real sweet elephant, Myrtle was. Sure.
9: <laughs> she must have read the poem. <laughs> what
10: poem?
9: Why should the spirits of Myrtle be proud? <laughs>
10: Remember? Who interrupted, Molly? This young fella asked me to you about Myrtle, didn't he? No. Oh. Well, sir, I brought Myrtle over to this country in 1916. Just killed Only 116 years old. Is that so? Yep. Yeah. That's why I want to go see you again. See if that busted leg is healed up okay. busted the leg? Well, I never heard of an elephant breaking its leg. First case I ever heard of myself. You see, it was like this here. We was in the Wheeling, West Virginia, on chilly day with a carnival.
9: played the chilly pond carnival. <laughs> well, sir, the first day we had a, a
10: street parade. A parade?
9: Sure. Uh, McGee parade. Myrtle wouldn't step on him. <laughs>
10: Say, whose elephant was this? Yes, sir. We had vans, calliope, animal cages, and 47 clowns.
9: Including yourself? Including. No. <laughs> I was an
10: elephant tender, known into the profession as a bull boss.
9: <laughs> no argument.
6: Now,
10: listen, Molly, if you well, to... well, what happened then,
0: sir? Well, sir, as I
10: was saying, I always rid on to Myrtle Ted on account of because she was kind of nervous and scared. Particular well, she was she scared of mosquitoes and moose. Moose? I... Mouses. All elephants are scared of moose. I mean, mouses. Well, sir, there we were. a whooping down the main street there, and right into the main part of town, Myrtle stopped dead into her tracks. She'd have threw me if I hadn't been such a good elephant, Jockey. Threw the whole parade into a ruckus. Lions was roaring and folks was shouting and Myrtle, Myrtle, reading the signs, knew they was going to be rioting.
9: I never knew elephants could understand it.
10: Understand what? Reading and riot. Well, sir, <laughs> most everybody ran into a movie theater till I could get Myrtle under control. Well,
9: was there any damage done? Only to the truth, Mister. <laughs> oh, not much.
10: A candy store was wrecked when Myrtle went through the window. Funny thing too, on her way through, she had four pounds of chocolate caramels and they had to drill her trunk out next day with a three-inch reamer.
6: But there wasn't much damage done.
10: Fruit stand dumped over. Three automobiles standing there. And and two of them got scratched up. But the other one had Johnson's auto wax onto it. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of slipped that one in there, didn't I? (laughs) But Myrtle's leg was the main thing. Well, how was her leg injured? You mean how'd she come to bust it? Well, you see, on her way out of the rear of the candy store, she had to go through a pool room.
9: And that's how she got behind the eight-ball, I suppose.
6: As I was saying, as
10: she was going through this here pool room, she seen them billiard balls on the table there and give them a kind of a curiosity sniff, just in passing. And, brother, will you believe me? In them innocent little ivory billiard balls laying there, she recognizes her cousin Elmer, which had been kidnapped in
9: 1678. (laughs) You
10: don't say. I do say. Buster, in revenge for Elmer, she gave give the table a boot with her leg and snap. Busted the leg, right at the cow.
9: You mean the calf, McGee? No,
10: the cow. Too big for a calf. <laughs> so that's why we're going over to see Myrtle, boy. Uh, how much are you? Thirty-six cents. Thank you. Uh, but listen, sir. You didn't explain what uh, confused Myrtle in the first place. Confused? <laughs> she wasn't confused, boy. Myrtle was just bubbling over with happiness, that's all.
9: For why, McGee? Well,
10: sir, as the parade was going down the street, all the folks leaning out of their windows and waving their hands. And with all them palms fluttering overhead, Myrtle thought she was home into her own little jungle again. <laughs> Be seeing you, sir. <laughs>
2: Kelly and his men playing Blue Room. And if we may digress a moment from Blue Room, Pink Pachyderms, and White Lies, let us tell you that it will be a red-letter day in the life of your car when you give it a shiny coat of Johnson's... Well, Fibber, back again, I see. I thought you were driving over to see an elephant.
10: (laughs) I was, young fellow, but I detoured off on the trunk line.
9: (laughs) I I get it. I get it. (laughs) (laughs)
6: <laughs> i come
10: over to give you a hand with the uh, commercial announcement, Bowaxe-Farlow. Harlow Wilcox, and Why? I can handle the commercial announcement all right myself. Uh, that's what you think. Folks, Johnson's Auto Wax will give you a nice, shiny sheen onto your chassis that'll shine like the sun when the shine shows. Uh, uh, I mean when the sun shines on the teeny shine of the shiny... <clears throat> Folks, Johnson's Auto Wax McGee, will... McGee, give...
9: stick to your fibbin. You'll to excuse McGee, Mr. Wilcox. He's been eating alphabet
10: soup in a Greek dress McGee, <laughs> why do you always
2: have to... Oh, I kind well, well, it may have been alphabet soup to fibber, but it will be duck soup for you to have a gleaming protective finish on your car this summer. No matter how dull and dirty your old car looks now, Johnson's Auto Wax will make it shine like new again. No fooling, Johnson's Auto Wax and cleaner work magic on any car finish. The cleaner is absolutely safe to use, quickly takes off all the old film and dirt without the slightest injury to the car finish, changes a dull, faded paint job to a bright, sparkling luster right before your eyes. And here's something very important. Johnson's Auto Wax saves the car from the damaging effects of the hot sun. The wax polish forms a tough shield of protection, so the ultraviolet sun rays cannot get at the finish to destroy its beauty. And now is the time to wax polish your car. You can do the job yourself, or have it done for you at a nearby service station. Johnson's Auto Wax is for sale at hardware stores, auto accessory stores, and service stations. When you purchase the wax and cleaner, your dealer will give you free a can of black auto-enamel for covering up rust spots and blemishes on the fenders or chassis of your car. But you'll hear more about this free offer at the end of the program. And now, we'll take advantage of the fact that Fibber McGee is not in sight to present that smiling little donkstess, Miss Kathleen Wells.
6: Going to sing every day. Love, be song, dear. Sounds a little wrong, dear. When you sing it in a kidding way, though I'm mighty. Frivolous and slighting Honest, I'm not fooling When I say Every day I'll fall in love For love again I'll never let our love grow up I'll always keep it new.
11: Every day I'll let you know that my valentine is will live the sweetest story
6: for like honeymooners. New. I do, I'll do To prove to you that romance Romance never will die
2: Time flies. We really don't know how we do it, but here are Fibber and Molly McGee tomorrow morning, all ready to leave the tourist camp for the day's driving. Fibber McGee, where
9: have you been? Uh, oh, who me? Well, who do you think, Henry VIII? VIII, what? Don't be trying to change the subject. I want to know where you've been all morning. Do you think we'll get any place lying around the tourist camp all day?
10: Lying around? Chuck's so just telling some folks over there. How me and Mike McGillicuddy built that their dirigible submarine yeah, and took it all. That's what I
9: says, lying around the tourist stand. <laughs> I got you there, Vivian. Yeah. <laughs> now, where have you really been?
10: Just over to the hot dog standard and get me a hot dog. Oh,
9: a hot dog, is it? Yeah. You got a pretty big appetite for hot dogs all of a sudden, seems to me. Well,
10: they're real good hot dogs, Molly. Big and shiny, like they've been all polished up with Johnson.
9: And never you mind the advertising.
10: Okay, okay. But say, Molly. There's a real pretty gal behind the counter over there. Sweetest big violet eyes. Oh,
9: oh what girl is it? And with big violet eyes. Yep. She, uh, it's
10: too bad she squints. Well, I'm ready to start any
9: time you are. Well, that's lovely. You're ready any time I am. Yep. And I've been ready all morning. Did you check the tires, McGee? Betcha.
10: I kicked every one of them.
9: How about that one on the off side there? Looks a little lumpy to me. If you put that new inner tube in wrong like you done now, Now, now,
10: now, now, Molly, don't you tell me how to put in inner tubes. Wasn't I the fastest and best tire changer at the racetrack of Indianapolis on the 4th of July? They
9: don't race on the 4th. It's on Memorial Day.
10: Of course. That's why they call it Memorial Day. In memory of me breaking the record changing tires for Steve McSpun. Uh, why, I mind the tires... Never
9: I... you mind now, I want to know about our tires. What makes it so lumpy? Look at it. Well,
10: you know, Molly, we, we come over one of the highest mountains in these parts yesterday.
9: And so what? Why, Molly,
10: you, you know mountain air is bumpy, don't
9: you?
10: <laughs> Remember, I pumped up that there tire right onto the top oh, peak there. For the... And who told you
9: that mountain air was bumpy? Air is air, and hot air is McGee. <laughs>
10: it's a well known fact, Molly. As I was flying an airplane once over the Sangahucus Mountains. The radio operator says to me, he says, Pilot, he says... Pilot? "Uh, Assistant pilot, he says... Assistant pilot! Go away, he says. Have you noticed how bumpy this here mountain air is, he says. And I says to him, I
9: McGee, I don't ride a mile from this spot till I know for sure that that tire is all right. So don't be wasting air that might be needed.
10: (laughs) Okay, okay, I'll I'll look at it. uh, you wouldn't care for a hot dog, would you, first?
9: No, I wouldn't. And suppose you keep your face out of the hot dogs long enough to face some cold facts. Chuck,
10: I'd, I'd... kind of go for a hot dog myself right now.
9: <laughs> go on with you. <laughs> if you had three more of them things today, you, you wouldn't be able to set the car for wagging your tail. <laughs> now get busy
10: oh, okay. I, I just thought I'd... Uh,
9: what was it you wanted me to do? Get some oil? No, forgetful. Check up on that bad tire.
10: <laughs> you don't mean that bad tire. You mean the worst of the bad tires. <laughs> don't be stalling for time. Okay. You to... Hey, you mean this one? Boy, shut.
9: It's as solid as the rock of Gibberalter. Gibberalter, eh, Gunrock? The G is soft like that tire's going to be when we're ten miles out on the road. <laughs> don't
10: you worry about that tire, Molly. Baby, when I change his tires, they say change.
9: Well, I mind the time when I. Was... There you are, Missy. Can't you just smell the fresh mountain air coming out of that tire?
6: Well, uh.
10: Shut up, Molly. How uh, dine you, huh? Well, I'll,
9: I'll change it again.
6: Uh, hey,
10: Molly, where are you going? Where you going? You stay there and get busy I'm
9: go to get the cup of hot Oh, coffee. hey, Molly,
10: wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, Come here. What is it now? Uh, Shut Molly. I'm. I'm sorry, I I didn't think that time. Listen to me,
9: McGee. The idea of a man your age... What do you
10: mean a man my age? Why, shut. I can jump up and crack my heels together, can't
9: I? Sure, but there's no use having both ends cracked at once, McGee.
10: (laughs) Well, anyway, nobody's no older than what he feels. What's the good of counting all your birthdays? When the future has so much appeal,
6: well, I the same
10: when you your first did the on your 91st birthday, take
9: are right, You're just as old as you look, and just as young as you feel. You.
10: Oh, my heart is full of romance, when the grass is growing green. I may be over 60,
9: but, but I feel like, like sweet six, 16.
10: 16. What will be do do? when
9: you think that you're Clark Gable? That fella
10: on the screen. I may be over 60, but I feel like, like sweet 16. 16. 16. I want to dance. I want to sing. I know it's winter, but it feels like spring. Well, I'm not too old to have my spring. The world don't owe me a gush turn thing. Why,
9: McGee, you're the life of every part. You betcha. You're a jelly jelly bean.
10: I may be over 60, what but I mean feel like, like sweet, 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 sweet with sweet a hey, naughty, naughty, and a
9: razzmatazz when I'm on
10: a kitty party. I'm the youngest on the scene. I may be over 60, but I feel, I like, feel sweet
9: like sweet 16. I catch to tell All my friends are fat and 40. Did I keep my shape so lean? I may be over 60, but, but I, I mean, feel like six. sweet 60. Weedy, weedy, weedy,
10: d- weedy, weedy, w- d- I have no weight. I have no pain. I'm not dramatic when it feels like rain. I've got romance in every vein. I spend all the
9: evenings in Lover's Lane. <laughs> you don't need overhauling, McGee. You're a darn good old machine. <laughs> but but I may be, but I mean,
6: feel like sweet 60.
2: And that was that with a Hey Nani Molly and the Fibber McGee, from which we go into a number by Martelli and the trio, in which the losers are all winners. Lost the rhythm, lost the music, lost my man. Take it, Rico. <laughs>
6: Your
12: rhythm got no rhythm. Where's your
10: music?
6: Got no music. I lost my rhythm and I lost my music when I lost my man. Where's your ambition? No ambition.
12: No ignition.
6: No stuff. There's no show, it's only intermission when you've lost your man. Why don't you try dancing? Until my dance don't mean a thing. But you were a harp
11: singer. But what singer can sing her song, song without song to sing? sing. My rhythm. Need you do? My music, you sure do. If my man comes home, he'll bring them with him. I mm-hmm. need
6: my
11: music, going to be my rhythm. Mm-hmm. Just an so soul without mm-hmm. that man. Mm-hmm.
10: Their band, Marchese. <laughs> Listen, folks, me and Molly has got room into the back seat of our car for three of you folks that's listening in. All you got to do to apply for the ride is. Yes, the ha- yes, hey yes. there, Cleano Wax Car, who are you pushing around? Harlow Wilcox to you,
6: Hello. and I'll
10: take this announcement. Oh, <laughs> Ladies
2: and gentlemen, you probably wouldn't even apply for that ride, remembering the safe Pippers tire. <laughs> but you can have all the fun and none of the trouble by riding along with us every Tuesday night at this same hour. But Fibber wasn't fibbing in one particular. We are making you a free offer, and a lot more sensible one than his. We're offering you, free, a 40 cent can of black auto enamel with every purchase of Johnson's Auto Wax and Cleaner. It's a very high grade black enamel which will successfully cover up all the disfiguring rusty spots on the chassis or fenders of your car. A brush comes right with the can of enamel, so you'll find it very easy to apply. Ask for Johnson's Auto Wax and Cleaner.
5: At your hardware store,
2: service station, or auto accessory store. The combination costs only 98 cents, and you get the 40 cent can of touch up enamel free. Remember, Johnson's Auto Wax will keep your car young and beautiful, protect it from the ultraviolet rays of the sun, and greatly increase its trade in value. Rendezvous with Johnson's Auto Wags and Bibber McGee next Tuesday night at this same hour. Your announcer is Harlow Wilcox. I hope. Good night.
6: This is the
7: National Broadcasting
1: Company. Okay. Uh, I hope y'all found those to be as entertaining as I did. I love Fibber McGee and Molly. And um, I think they, and they really hung on the radio for a long time. Uh, they were on, I think they started in the late 1930s. I should have looked it up. Uh, but I remember from what I had read earlier that I think they started like in the 1930s. And it was around maybe 1950 that they actually stopped. But um, they were real popular for a long time. But now, the next one coming up is um, one that uh, was a radio show, and then it turned into a TV show. It's called Father Knows Best. Now, in the TV show, it had the same guy. Um, um, in fact, uh, Robert Young played Marcus Welby later on Marcus Welby, MD, in the 70s But um, Father Knows Best started out um, as a radio show And then it, it t- turned into a TV show And when it turned into a TV show uh, Jane Wyatt became the mother But um, anyway, uh, for those of you who watch Father Knows Best on the Antenna TV, you can tell me which one you like best, the radio show or the TV show. I tend to like the radio show the best, but that's just me, but I do like it. But anyway, uh, here we, it's called The Elusive Card Game.
13: Mother, is Maxwell House really the only coffee in the world? Well, your father says so. And your father knows best.
2: Yes, it's Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as father. A half-hour visit with your new neighbors, the Andersons. Brought to you by Maxwell House. The coffee that's bought and enjoyed by more people than any other brand of coffee at any price. Maxwell House, always good to the last drop. In every family there are special days, days which though simple will live forever in our memories. There's the day Junior had his first haircut. The day dad backed into the garage door, or the day mother didn't back into the garage door. In Springfield, in the white frame house on Maple Street, it's dinner time, and one of those days is in the making. It will be known as long as an Anderson remains as the day father received the Christmas bills, like this. It's outrageous, that's what it is The most outrageous thing I've ever seen in my entire life
13: Pass the potatoes to your father, Betty Yes, Mother Potatoes, Father
2: Uh, Thank you It's gotten so that Christmas isn't a period of joy and celebration It's a plot to collect all the money overlooked by the government (laughs) I've never seen such an assortment of bills
13: Kathy, won't you please eat your dinner? But I have to watch Daddy I'm sure he'd much rather you ate your dinner but I want to see the steam come out of his ears. The so
6: what?
14: <laughs> well, Bud said when you saw all those bills.
12: Holy cow, Kathy. I didn't mean it really would. I was just, you know. <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs>
12: sure
2: was cold out today, wasn't it? <laughs> well, for certain people, it's going to get warmer. Much warmer. Now the bread, please.
12: Here you are, Dan.
2: Thank you. Say, Dan. Look at this, $17.70 for mucklucks. Now what the devil are mucklucks?
13: The knitted slippers, dear.
2: For $17.70? That's
13: for six pairs, Jim. I sent them to my sister Kathleen and her family.
2: Oh, fine. And what did she send us? Five napkin rings painted by hand in the kindergarten of a school for backward children. <laughs>
13: Jim, that's not the proper attitude to take.
2: Oh, it isn't, isn't it? You don't see that brother-in-law of yours shelling out any 1770 for mucklucks, do you? I tell you, Margaret, we've got to realize that we aren't the Morgans or the Rockefellers. We're just plain simple people, and we've got to act that way. Yes, dear. Say, Dan, when I was a boy, thrift was an important part of the daily life. The family worked together to see how little it could spend, not how much. They tried to help put something away for a rainy day. Not us. This family lives in a continual cloudburst. Dan. What is it, bud?
12: As long as we're talking about money, I need five (laughs) dollars. (laughs) Bud.
2: Oh, that's fine. That's just great. I give out with a long lecture on thrift and economy, and all it does is remind my son that he needs five dollars. Now, why do you need five dollars?
12: To be a bird watcher. A what? A bird watcher. You watch birds.
2: I wouldn't care if you watched elephants. <laughs> Why does it have to cost five dollars?
12: Well, you have to buy a manual. It tells you how to watch. And you get a button. And they have meetings every Tuesday and Thursday night. No. But, Dad, watching birds makes you alert. No? No. It gives you a better understanding of your feathered friends. No. And it's educational. No. Oh, gosh. You certainly want me to be educated, don't you? Yes. Then I can go? No. (laughs)
13: Oh. Oh. Would you care for some more coffee, dear?
2: I certainly would. Thank
12: you.
14: I'll bet Evelyn Finney's a bird watcher.
12: You keep out of this, Kathy.
14: Bud's got a girl. I have not.
12: You just wait, Kathy. That's all. Just wait.
14: Bud's got a girl.
12: Dad. All right, Kathy. Stop that and drink your milk. But
14: but I did. It's all gone.
2: Well, get some more milk and drink it.
14: (laughs) Gee whiz.
2: And behave yourself. Now, where was I?
14: The part about putting something away for a rainy day.
2: Thank you. Rainy day. Oh, look, I don't want you to think I'm being stingy or that I don't want you to enjoy a healthy, normal life, but what's that?
13: What's what, dear?
2: On the buffet. Is that another album of records? Oh, you ought to hear them, Father. They're simply dreaming. You see, that's what I mean. A new album, and we've got so many records now we can join the disc jockey's union.
14: <laughs> Do disc jockeys have a union, Daddy?
2: How do I know?
14: Well, you just said I said if
2: they had a union, we could join it.
14: Why? <laughs>
2: because we have so many records.
14: Are you going to be a disc jockey, Daddy?
2: No, I'm not going to be a disc jockey.
14: Why not?
2: Because I'm an insurance jockey.
6: I mean... I...
14: <laughs>
2: oh, Kathy, drink your milk.
14: I did. Twice. <laughs>
2: Well, eat your cake.
14: I don't have any cake. What have you got? jell
2: Well, eat it and be quiet.
14: <laughs> Gee whiz. Father, there's no need to get excited about the records. Now don't
2: tell me what to get excited about and what not to get excited about. You have no right to waste money on more records.
14: But, Father... Five
2: dollars for bird watchers and five dollars for records.
14: They cost seven fifty. Seven fifty. $7.50? $7.50?
2: Betty Anderson, you mean those records cost seven dollars and fifty cents?
14: Yes, father. Oh, but... that's
2: fine, just fine. We've got records you haven't touched in five years, but they're no good. You've got to buy new ones for seven dollars and fifty cents. But father. When I was a boy, I couldn't buy a new record till the old one wore out.
6: But father.
2: I played Dardanelles along the fuzz on the turntable came through. <laughs>
14: Father! And
2: stop but fathering me. You have no right to waste $7.50 on record.
14: But father, I didn't. I borrowed them from Janie Liggett.
2: I don't care where you got them. You have no right to. Oh. Well, uh where was I?
13: A rainy day, dear.
12: Page two. <laughs>
6: All
2: right, laugh. Go ahead. The whole thing is a big joke. It's very funny. But I'm telling you right now, we're spending too much money. And we're going to cut down.
13: Oh, Jim, I don't think we're extravagant, any of us.
2: Okay, you're not extravagant. You just spend too much money.
13: But we don't waste anything, dear. And we don't spend money unnecessarily.
2: Oh, we don't, don't we? I suppose $5 to watch birds isn't unnecessary. If Bud has to watch birds, he can sit on the front porch and watch them for ten years. It won't cost him a dime. <laughs> Holy cow. This family has to learn to conserve. We've got to make things do. Now here, look at this. Another pair of shoes for Kathy. That's the third pair in six months.
14: But, Daddy, I'm growing.
13: Well,
2: do you have to grow so fast?
14: <laughs> Mother.
13: Oh, it's all right, dear. Your father's only joking.
2: Sure, I'm only joking, Kathy. But there's one thing I'm not joking about. This family has to stop spending so much money. And we've got to stop running around. We're going to stay home and enjoy the simple things of life. We've got magazines to read, books to read. I spent $190 for the encyclopedia. And nobody's ever gotten past
12: Marib to Mushy. Jim,
13: there's one thing you don't seem to understand. Just a moment,
12: dear. Bud, the phone. It's Cassie's turn.
13: It is not. But I'll answer it
14: anyway. See if I care.
13: What is it you were saying, Margaret? Well, I was saying that there's one thing you don't seem to understand that no one has even mentioned going out tonight. Everyone was quite satisfied and quite happy, and this entire discussion seems to be absolutely pointless.
2: Is that so? If I didn't put my foot down every once in a while, this whole family would go to pot. Nobody would ever stay home.
14: Daddy, it's for you.
2: Thank you, Kathy.
14: Mr. Smith, Daddy.
2: Thank you, dear. Hello, Heck. No, we were just finishing our dinner. The drugstore? Well, I hadn't thought about going down there, but... Pick up cards for what? You mean the game is tonight? Oh. Well, uh... Look, Heck, uh, Maybe you'd better not figure on me for tonight. Well, frankly, I forgot all about it, and I got myself into a situation here. Yes, I know, Heck, but couldn't you get George Phillips? Out of town, huh? Uh, just a minute, Heck. Kathy, there's somebody at the door. Okay. I'm sorry, Heck. Well, look, there must be somebody else you can get for the game. There isn't, huh? Well, uh, I'll do whatever I can, Heck, but uh, it's going to be tough. Okay. Okay, but if I'm not there by eight, well, uh, you'd better call me. Okay, heck, I'll see you. Ye gods, the things I get myself into.
13: Is there anything wrong, dear?
12: No, nothing wrong. Let's see. um, What were we talking about? Nobody goes out tonight.
6: Well,
2: of course, I don't mean that we have to live like hermits.
13: Uh, of course not, dear.
2: There are circumstances when it will be necessary and proper for us to spend an evening away from home. A special picture that we won't want to miss, or uh, meeting, or uh, uh, something.
13: You're so right, dear, but after that long lecture you just finished, naturally you don't mean tonight, do you, dear?
2: Oh, no, naturally not tonight. <laughs> We, uh, we'll all spend a quiet evening at home. Tonight. Daddy? Yes, Kathy?
14: Daddy, may I please have a dollar and a quarter?
2: You certainly may not. But, Daddy... You see, Margaret, that's just what I meant about discipline. This entire discussion about thrift and economy was absolutely wasted. Everything I said went in one ear and out the other. I spent 15 minutes explaining that we had to take it easy. That we had to cut down on our spending and what happened. Soon as I stop to take a deep breath, Bud needs five dollars to watch birds, and Kathy needs a dollar and a quarter. Now, why on earth do you suddenly need a dollar and a quarter?
14: To pay the paper, boy.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh. You know, for all his talking, Father wouldn't think of doing without that paper. It's one of those things that means so much to every day that comes along. And something else we count on, you and I, day in and day out, is coffee. I mean really good coffee, like our Maxwell House. Coffee you sit down to and enjoy, cup after cup, that good-to-the-last-drop flavor. You won't find it in any other coffee, no coffee but Maxwell House. And as you'd expect, there's a very real reason why. It's a recipe, the only recipe there is for that good to the last drop flavor. It's mighty important, that recipe of ours, because the flavor of the coffee you enjoy depends on the blend, the kind of coffees in it, and how they're put together. Now, coffee grows in many different varieties, and you can blend them in all sorts of ways. But there's only one way. One recipe for our famous Maxwell House flavor. And when all's said and done, it's this recipe of ours that makes the difference. The big difference between just another coffee and the wonderfully good flavor of America's favorite brand. It's a difference you'll taste for yourself the very first time you pour a cup of our Maxwell House coffee. And I hope you will, tomorrow, hope you'll start enjoying the coffee that's always good to the last drop in the White Frame House on Maple Street An hour has passed And a long, long hour it's been For Jim Anderson, the minutes have dragged by An endless procession His active mind is buzzing With a weird assortment of masculine schemes Every one of them taken from the file headed How to get out of the house a dozen fantastic plans have already been tried, and none of them has worked. But you've got to give Jim credit. The kid's still in there pitching, like this. Margaret.
13: Yes, dear? Do you have the correct time? Oh, I think so. It's, um, five minutes of eight.
2: Uh-huh, just what I thought. This doggone watch is on the blink again. Just won't keep time.
13: Well, what time do you have, dear? Seven of. <laughs> Well, Jim, that's a difference of only two minutes.
2: Only two minutes? Margaret, do you realize the things that have happened in two minutes? Wars have been won and lost. The entire course of civilization has been changed. I, uh... I better have it fixed. All right, dear. As a matter of fact, as long as I'm not doing anything right now, I might as well run down to the jewelers. And, uh... It might take some time. You know how fussy jewelers can be about a watch. So, uh... Maybe you'd better not wait up for me. Jim. Yes, dear?
13: Christmas is over. The jewelers all close at
2: 5.30. They do? <laughs> you mean uh, all of them? Yes, dear. Oh.
12: You ought to see the, the watch Joe Phillips got for Christmas, Dad. Boy, is that a watch. Shatterproof, shockproof, waterproof, heatproof, and it's guaranteed to last him a lifetime. But it won't. Why not? He lost it. <laughs>
6: Bud,
2: instead of making bad jokes, why don't you go upstairs and do your homework?
12: That wasn't a joke, Dad.
2: You can say that again.
12: (laughs) You mean the whole thing? Bud. (laughs) Go upstairs and do your homework. Okay. You, uh... You wouldn't want to help me, would you? That's right. (laughs) Yeah, I... I sort of figured you wouldn't. Well...
13: I'll see you later.
12: Margaret, uh,
2: I think I'll go out for a little walk.
13: Why, Jim, it's snowing. Well,
2: there's nothing wrong with a little snow. Does a man good to get out in the snow once in a while. The air crisp and clear, the ground all white and peaceful. Jim
13: Anderson, you're not going to tramp around in the snow at your age. I have enough to do without taking care of a sick husband. Uh... And... Stop pacing up and down the room like a caged lion. Father. Yes, Betty? I'll play checkers with you if you like.
2: Thank you. But I'd rather see you doing your homework.
13: Oh, well, I don't have any homework.
11: I finished it this afternoon.
2: Well, go sew something. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, read a book. And don't tell me you read a book.
11: I'll spot you two kings.
2: I don't need to be spotted two kings. And I don't want to play checkers. Um... Margaret. Yes, dear? Do you need anything at the (laughs) drugstore?
13: No, dear, not a thing.
2: We, uh, we're kind of low on toothpaste this morning.
13: I got some this afternoon. (laughs) Oh,
2: you did. Uh, soap holding up all right?
13: Just fine.
2: Uh Uh-huh. Say, I think I'll run out and get something to smoke. Yes, sir, that's just what I'll do. Jim... Yes, Margaret?
13: I bought you a carton of cigarettes this afternoon, and there's a whole humidor full of pipe tobacco.
12: I, uh,
2: you know, it's a funny thing, but I just feel like smoking a cigar.
13: (laughs) (laughs) Jim, I didn't know you smoked cigars.
2: Well, of course. After all, there's nothing like a good cigar. You know what Rudyard Kipling said, a woman is only a woman, but a good cigar is a smoke. Yeah, I'll get it. Uh,
13: Jim, be careful. Oh, Uh,
2: oh. Who the dickens moved the lamp over to this side?
13: Oh, Jim, how could you? Well, how do you expect
2: me to keep track of where the lamps are if you keep moving them around all the time? Anyway, well, I'm sorry, Margaret. I was just...
13: The phone's ringing.
2: Betty, be a good girl and clean up this mess, will you?
13: All right, Father.
2: And don't worry about the lamp, Margaret. We'll get it fixed or something.
13: A good lamp. Just look at it.
2: Six lamp's right in your way when you're in a hurry. Naturally, they get knocked down. Oh, Hello, uh, Heck. What do you mean am I still here? Of course not. I left for your house 20 minutes ago. <laughs> heck, I'm doing everything I can. I can't do it, Heck. I can't just walk out. Because I can't, that's why. I am trying. Well, stop worrying about it. I'll figure something out. Okay, uh, yeah. Call me later. So long.
11: Who was that, dear?
2: Uh, it was Hector, honey. He uh, just uh, wanted to uh, talk to me.
13: About what, dear? Is anything wrong?
2: Oh no. He uh, wanted me to come over there. He probably wants to talk to me about uh, uh, something. <laughs>
13: like what, dear?
2: Well, he. Uh, it, uh, well, it's probably very complicated. <laughs> You, uh, you'd be surprised.
13: I'll bet I would. <laughs> yes. uh,
2: are you through with the newspaper, dear? I think so. Well, I guess I'll sit down and read the paper.
13: <laughs> That's a very good idea.
14: Daddy?
2: We're in the den, Kathy.
14: Daddy, I just thought of something wonderful to save money. How much does water cost?
2: Not very much, dear. Why?
14: Well, it costs something to get it hot, doesn't it? So I thought, if I only took one bath a week...
2: Are you supposed to be taking a bath now? Uh Uh-huh. Well, take it.
14: (laughs) (laughs) But you said we had to save money, and I thought if I only took...
2: Kathy, go upstairs and take your bath.
14: Gee
13: whiz. You heard your father, Kathy. Now go ahead.
14: First they want to save money, then they don't want to save money. Why don't
13: they make up their minds?
2: Say, did you see this in the paper? They're having a big meeting in the school auditorium.
13: Tomorrow night.
2: Oh. Yeah,
6: that's
2: right. It's uh, tomorrow.
13: Jim. Father, I put all the broken pieces on the service porch, but I don't think they can fix the lamp. It's a mess. Thank you, Betty. You're welcome.
2: Were you going to say something, dear?
13: Oh, no, no, it's all right. Mother. Yes, Betty. Have you seen the records I borrowed from Janie? Well, no, dear, I haven't. Where did you leave them? Well, I put them over there on Father's chair. (gasps) Father, you're sitting on them. I am?
2: (laughs) Oh, I (laughs) thought it felt kind of funny.
13: (laughs) Oh, Father, how could you? Seven dollars and 50 cents worth of South Pacific, and look at it.
2: Well, they're they're only cracked a little, Betty. (laughs) Now look at this one. Only the front part of it's broken off. <laughs> you can still play the whole chorus, and that's all anybody listens to anyway.
13: She'll never talk to me again, and I don't blame her.
2: Oh, Betty, will you please stop that moaning and groaning? I'll buy Janie another album. And stop looking at me as though I went around beating little children.
11: <laughs> yes, Father.
2: man tries to spend a quiet evening at home, and what happens? Lamps fall down, people stuff records under his cushions. I'll get it. Uh,
13: Jim, please be careful.
2: Margaret, I don't make a practice of knocking lamps down. Anybody listening to you would think I broke a lamp every day.
13: Yes, dear, but be careful just the same.
2: never like the darn lamp anyway. The looking lamp I ever saw in the light. Hello? Yes, I'm still here. Look, heck, I told you in the very beginning I didn't think I could make it. Well, I did try. I tried everything but chloroform.
11: <laughs>
2: it won't do any good to call me back later. Why don't you just forget the whole thing? Jim! Just a minute, Hick. Uh, what is it, Margaret?
13: Is that Hector again?
2: Yes, dear. It's uh, uh, Hector.
13: Well, Jim, if it's really that urgent, why don't you run over there?
2: You, uh, You wouldn't mind?
13: No, but if they can't get anyone else... Why don't you have them come over here for the game?
6: Uh, the game. Over here?
13: There's no reason why they can't play poker here.
2: Uh, there isn't?
13: Of course not.
2: Oh, well, uh, say, heck, how about playing over here? It would, huh? Well, fine. Oh, of course not. Margaret won't mind at all. Okay, see you in a little while. Goodbye. Margaret.
13: Yes, Jim.
2: I, uh well, you see, I'd forgotten all about this date I had with the boys, and uh well, I told them to get somebody Just else. Just a moment, but, dear. Uh,
13: Bud You want me, Mom? Yes, dear. I want you to go to the delicatessen.
12: Okay, I'll be down in
13: a minute.
2: Why does he have to go to the delicatessen?
13: Well, you'll be busy getting the card things ready, dear, and there isn't a thing in the house. We'll have to serve something.
2: Well, it doesn't have to be anything elaborate.
13: Oh, no, but we'll need a few slices of ham and some liverwurst and bologna and cheese, a few loaves of bread, potato chips, pickles. Why do we need
2: pickles? (laughs) (laughs) There's no sense in running hog wild just because a couple of men are coming over to play poker. I told you at dinner, Margaret, we've got to cut down on our expenses.
13: All right, dear, no pickles. (laughs) After all, father knows best.
6: (laughs) Well,
2: pickles or no pickles, I'm inclined to think it's mother knows best. When it comes to shopping for the family groceries, I take coffee for instance. Mother knows that when she buys coffee, there's just one thing that means real value. It's the flavor you get for your money that really counts. And these days she understands it's more important than ever to get the most flavor for every penny you spend. And that's just what you do get in our Maxwell House coffee. You get a full measure of that wonderful Maxwell House flavor. Good to the last drop flavor no other coffee gives you. And that's why more people buy our Maxwell House than any other brand of coffee. So when you put out good money for coffee, be sure you get the most in value, in flavor and freshness. You always will when you open up a pound of Maxwell House. The coffee that's always good to the last drop. The lights are out in the white frame house on Maple Street. The children are asleep, the guests are gone. The last chip has been put away, and the poker game is a thing of the past. Jim. Oh, you're still awake, Jim?
13: Yes, I've just been lying here thinking. How did the game go? Fine, just fine.
2: <laughs> I guess I showed that Hector Smith how poker should be played. Bluffed him right out of two of the biggest pots you ever saw.
13: Jim. Yes, dear? You know, I've been wondering about this sudden wave of economy. There isn't anything wrong, is there?
2: Oh, no. I, well, it was those darn Christmas bills. They really got me down.
13: (laughs) Tonight didn't help much, did it? I mean, we'll have to buy a new lamp and records for Janie.
2: Well, it won't amount to much.
13: No, I suppose not including the food and drinks i figure that the quiet evening at home came to just
6: 3250
13: <laughs> 3650 no dear uh, 3250 i can get a new lamp for oh you mean You.
2: I certainly did.
6: (laughs) Four
13: dollars
2: and twenty two (laughs) cents.
6: Good night,
13: Mark. Good night, dear.
1: If you like
11: good things the easy way, good things the easy way, Instant Maxwell House, that's for you. Good, good coffee, that's easy, too. No time, no trouble, no grounds, no pot, and it's good to the very last, you know what?
2: Yes, Instant Maxwell House means great coffee instantly in your cup. Here's real instant coffee, all pure Maxwell House coffee in instant form. Enjoy instant Maxwell House. Instantly,
11: good to the very last you know what.
2: Join us again next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson, with Roy Boggy and the Maxwell House Orchestra, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. Don't forget, membership cards for the Robert Young Good Drivers Club are waiting for you at your local NBC station. Get a man-to-man or dad-to-daughter pledge and sign up today. Be a good driver. Get your membership card in the Robert Young Good Drivers Club today. Now until next Thursday, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's favorite brand of coffee. Always good to the last drop. Father Knows Best was transcribed in Hollywood and written by Ed James. Now stay tuned in for Screen Guild Theater, which follows immediately over most of these stations.
1: This next one is one that I love. Um, I think I say that about every one of them, don't I? Yes, you do. i didn't say it too much about easy aces but um (laughs) they're not that's uh, true uh but but this one is called baby snooks and it's uh, baby snooks is played by this lady named fanny bryce and she plays this little bitty baby girl and uh uh Seems like she has a real name in there, but but they always they end up just calling her Baby Snooks. But it's real cute. She does a lot of baby talk, and um, the, the I've got two of them out here because they're like 15 minutes long, and one is called Haunted House, and the other one is called What's the other one? Baby brother. Baby brother. Good Lord, you'd think I'd remember. Anyway, um, kick back.
8: Snoops, I thought you were going to sit quietly and do that crossword puzzle.
15: I'm stuck, Daddy.
8: All right, what's sticking you?
15: What's a five-letter word for slap? Smack. And a five-letter word for expand. Expand. Mm-hmm.
8: How about swell? Left it.
15: That's Daddy. Smack and swell. Now a three-letter word meaning in what manner?
8: Let's see that puzzle. Hmm. Begins with H. How? How? Yes. And twenty-nine across is uh, scoff. Why? Because it says to ridicule. Mm
15: hmm.
8: Thirty-two down, devour. That's eat. Fourteen across duration. Well, that's easy. It's time. There you are. All done.
15: I done it quick, didn't Daddy?
8: You did? I gave you six words.
15: What six words?
8: Right there. Smack. Swell. How? Scoff, eat time.
15: Say them fast,
6: Daddy.
8: It's Maxwell House coffee time. <laughs> isn't that
6: wonderful? It's Maxwell House
15: coffee time.
8: No, it is. <laughs> Turn on that radio quick.
15: All right, Daddy.
8: It's a good thing I brought along this little portable radio, isn't it, Silk? Why? Well, we can listen to the program while we're for the train.
15: And um, I want to go home.
8: Home? You drove me crazy to bring you with me. Now you want to go home.
15: Where are we going, Daddy?
8: I've told you 50 times. We're going to Uncle Camembert's house in the mountains.
15: Is Uncle Camembert going to be there?
8: No. The poor old just passed on. He's gone to a better world, I hope. When is he coming back? He's never coming back, Snooks. He's left this veil of tears for good.
15: Oh. Shall we cry, Daddy.
8: I don't think it's necessary. He was 92 when he died, and he lived a pretty full and eventful life.
15: Did he leave his shoes?
8: His shoes? I suppose so.
15: <laughs> I want to see his shoes. Uh, what for? I heard you tell Mommy he was well healed.
8: <laughs> that has nothing to do with his shoes. And don't repeat everything you hear.
15: Well, why are we going to his house?
8: It happens to be my house now. Mm-hmm. He left it to me in his will.
15: You said he was going to leave you a lot of money, Daddy.
8: Well, I guess wrong. Nobody got any of his money. Mm-hmm. In fact, they can't even find a trace of it.
15: Maybe he didn't have any.
8: Oh, he had plenty. There's a possibility that he stashed it away somewhere in this house. That's the main reason I'm going up there.
6: i mm-hmm.
8: Well, I'll buy you a sandwich <laughs> as soon as we get on the
6: train. I'm <laughs> hungry. Now don't talk that.
15: What's that, Daddy?
8: It's a train whistle. I want one. Oh, don't be ridiculous. You can't have a train whistle. Why? Because you can't. Look across the tracks there. See the man working under the train? Is it our train? No, that's the milk train.
15: Is he milking it? Yeah,
8: he's milking it. I want some milk. Uh, listen, I'll tell you what. I have to go to the ticket office and find out if we can get a train back tonight. You go over to that telephone and call Dick Powell. Tell him we won't be at the studio.
15: All right. What's the
8: number? Hollywood 6161.
0: Six, mm-hmm. Dial H, and then O, and then 6. Oh, uh, I'll get it, Dick. Hello?
8: Hello?
15: Is Mr.
0: Powell there? Just a minute. It's for you, Dick. I think it's Snooks. I wonder what
2: she wants. <laughs> well, I'll kid her a little. Hello? Hello? This is the world's greatest singer talking.
15: Excuse me, I got the wrong number. <laughs>
0: Wait a minute. This is Dick Powell. What's the matter?
15: We're at the railroad station and we're going to take a train.
0: What for? You see,
15: where Uncle Cameraman's ass his heels. What?
2: Daddy, what's he talking about? Oh,
8: my Uncle Camembert will meet his house in the mountains. Holy smoke, here's my train. I can't talk anymore, Dick. You'll hear from us later. Goodbye.
4: Goodbye. What's up, Dick? I don't know. Seems they're going to spend the night at his Uncle Camembert's house in the mountains.
8: Hmm. Well, Snooks, here we are.
15: Where's Uncle Camembert's house?
8: Oh, it's about a quarter of a mile down the road. Pretty gloomy here, isn't it?
15: (laughs) How and go home.
8: We'll have to stay at the house overnight. Why? Because there are no more trains until morning. Oh, I sure hate to walk to the house. Wish there was something. Say, there's a man with a horse and buggy. Coming down the road. Maybe he'll give us a lift.
15: Hello there.
9: Hello, (laughs) Telly.
8: Can you give us a lift, brother?
9: You bet. Plan board, brother.
8: Thanks, brother.
15: Is he your brother, Daddy? No.
8: Come on, I'll help you get up on the wagon. Put the radio down gently. All right, Snooks. Put your foot in the spoke.
15: What spoke?
8: The wheel spoke.
15: I didn't hear nothing.
8: Oh, step on that wheel. Come on.
15: Up there. Are you set, sister? I'm set, brother.
9: Giddy up, Sally! <laughs> it's getting dark, Daddy.
8: Well, we'll be there in a minute. Hey,
9: where
15: be you heading first?
8: The old Higgins house. Oh, Sally. Did <laughs> you, you say the Higgins house? That's right. <laughs> old Cammon beers, please? Yes. Get
15: up, Sally! <laughs> What's the matter, Daddy?
8: I don't know. He gave us a very queer look. Mm. Uh, say, brother, I'm the uh, new owner of the house. Camembert was my uncle.
0: Oh, Stevie! <laughs> you say you own the house? Yes. My Idiot. uncle... it?
8: My uncle willed it to me.
15: Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Get up, sir. I didn't hear you. <laughs> There's me, Daddy. Uh,
8: anything wrong with the house, neighbor? Ain't there isn't anything there ain't. Oh. Well, there's no train back this evening, and we have to spend the night there. Eh? I say we have to spend the night there. Oh, Sally! Oh, Sally! (laughs) Say, wouldn't stay there if I was you. Why not? You believe in ghosts? Nonsense. (laughs) Yep! Shame to stunt the little girl's growth.
15: Is there ghosts there, Daddy?
8: No, he said ghosts.
15: What's ghosts?
8: Ghosts are supposed to be supernatural beings. spirit bodies of departed persons. It's a lot of twaddle. Is it? Why, certainly. You know, I heard a good joke about ghosts yesterday. Two ghosts were sitting on a bed when suddenly they heard a noise.
15: (laughs) That's awful funny, Daddy.
8: I'm not finished yet. Oh. Suddenly they heard a noise. And one ghost turned to the other and said, Do you believe in ghosts? (laughs)
15: Ha <laughs> oh. <laughs> There you go.
6: <get> <laughs> oh, here,
15: here's the help.
8: Oh. Mm. Bleak-looking place, isn't it? Well, come on, folks. Don't forget the radio. I got it,
15: Daddy.
8: There we are. Thanks a lot, brother. Shame to stunt the little girl's growth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's go in.
15: Put the lights on, Daddy.
8: Just a second, I'll light a match and find the switch. Hmm. No electricity here.
15: What's that, Daddy?
8: Just just the wind. Oh. Blew the door shut. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of candles on that sideboard. Uh, You bring them over here.
15: Mm, I want to go home.
8: (laughs) Don't be silly. As soon as I light these candles, you'll feel better. There.
15: Let me hold one.
8: Okay. We won't be able to see much tonight.
15: Mm.
8: Let's find the bedroom and go to sleep. Follow me.
15: Daddy. What is it? <laughs> Uncle Louie's here. Where? In that room.
8: What are you talking about? Where's Uncle Louis? <laughs> there
15: he is, looking through the hole in the wall.
8: That's not Uncle Louis. That's a moose head. Oh.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
8: come on. Let's find the bedroom. This broken down joint gives me the creeps. Don't let your candle go out. Why? Because I haven't got any more matches.
15: Mm. Now, come on. Mm-hmm. Daddy!
8: What is it? Is.
15: The wind blew my candle
8: out. I told you to be careful. Not mine, too. <laughs> now we haven't got a light at all. I'll just stand still a few seconds until your eyes become accustomed to the darkness. Stop poking me in the leg, Snooks.
15: I'm way over here, Daddy.
8: Oh! Oh. It's just the corner of this table. Now, uh, stand where you are. I'll come and get you. Here, take my hand.
15: Mm-hmm.
8: Now, there's a door here. Well, follow me. Now let me feel around a minute. Oh, here's a couch. Now, you lie down, sir. I'll cover you with my coat.
15: Where are you going to sleep, Daddy?
8: I'll rest on the floor. Now try and go right to sleep. Good night.
15: Good night. Daddy! Now, what is it? My toe hurts.
8: Oh, which toe?
15: The youngest one. <laughs> it hurts me.
8: What's the matter with it?
15: It hurts every time I pinch it.
8: Well, don't pinch it.
15: Now, well, how can I tell if it hurts?
8: But <laughs> go to sleep.
15: Come here. Put the lights on.
8: There aren't any lights here, and I have no matches. I'll just go to sleep. I'm here with you. <laughs> well, put
15: on the radio.
8: No. Go to sleep. Sorry I ever came to this musty joint. Daddy. What do you want?
15: Tell me a story. No. Tell me a, a ghost story. Aye. Yeah.
8: that will be just the thing for a night like this.
15: Then tell me about Jack and the ring stalk.
8: Oh, all right. I'll tell it quickly and no interruptions. Once upon a time, there was a little boy named Jack. He lived Jack with... His... J- just Jack. Yes, sir. He lived with his mother, and they were very poor. But she was always good to him. And good to who, was... Daddy? Good to Jack. She was... Who his... was? His mother.
15: Who's mother? Jack's mother! Ah. <laughs> now, don't interrupt me
8: anymore, or I won't finish the story. Mom,
15: I'll finish it, Jack.
8: All right. Uh, uh... Uh, there was something with a cow, then something else. And then somehow he got some beans. Uh, for the cow, I think. The <laughs> cow ate the beans? No. The
15: beans ate the cow?
8: Nobody ate anything. Why? Keep quiet.
15: I like it better when we're talking, Daddy.
8: Yes, yes, yes. I oh, wish we had a light here. Yeah, I wish
15: we
8: did. Anyhow, when Jack brought home the beans... His mother threw them out of the window. And in the morning when Jack woke up, he saw... Snooks!
15: Yes, Daddy.
8: Okay. I just wanted to make sure you were all right.
15: <laughs> what did Jack see, Daddy?
8: Oh, a great big beanstalk. Beanstalk. He climbed up the beanstalk and found himself in a strange land. Pretty soon, he came to the castle of a giant. Giant? Yeah. And, Uh... uh I'll tell the rest of the story tomorrow morning. Why? <laughs> well, because this part the, the story about the giant is pretty scary. Mm-hmm. It might make you have unpleasant dreams. <laughs> well,
15: finish it, <yourself>. do No.
8: <laughs> All right. But if you get scared, don't blame me. So Jack broke into the giant's castle and found himself in a damp, dark dungeon. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> the place was full of cobwebs and weird little animals and
6: bats.
8: <laughs> <laughs> See, you're a
15: No, I ain't. I like it. <laughs>
8: <laughs> and why did you cry?
15: I started to nap, but I remembered my toy. This is it, Daddy.
8: All right. Well. Jack felt around the walls and he was shaking from head to foot. (laughs) Pretty soon, from out of the blackness, he heard a terrible sound. Thump. 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 Cold sweat broke out on Anoes. Huh? Did you hear anything when I said thump? (laughs) (laughs) No. Maybe, uh, Maybe you'd better turn on the radio.
15: Are you scared, Daddy?
8: I know. But we'll be able to listen to the last part of the Maxwell House coffee program. It'll be comforting.
15: I want to go to sleep.
8: Oh.
5: Daddy, played by
2: Hanley Stafford, has had a hard day at the office. He's trying to read his newspaper in the study, but Snooks has been constantly running in and out. Daddy's patience is rapidly becoming exhausted.
8: Listen. Kid can't sit still a minute. I'm trying to rest in a boiler factory.
15: It, boy, down, oh, here boy, she down. comes again. <laughs> Whoop. Excuse me, Daddy.
8: Snooks, you've been in and out of this room for ten times.
15: Have I? Yes,
8: and every time you come back, you cross between my feet and the chair they're resting on. I don't like it. Why? Because I don't like having to take my feet off.
15: Can you take your feet off, Daddy? I mean off the chair.
8: Why don't you walk around me?
15: It's too easy.
8: I thought so. Well, I'm warning you, don't disturb me anymore. Understand?
15: Understand.
8: Oh, stop that singing. Um,
15: All right. Daddy. What is it? Who is London?
8: London is the name of a city.
15: Ain't it a man? No. Then why is it bridges for now? <laughs>
8: it's not bridges. It's bridge. London Bridge. Did you hear something?
15: It's that kid of yours.
8: <laughs> Robespierre. He's crying. I'll see what it is.
15: Yeah. All he does is holler. Yeah.
8: Snoop. What do you think? What? You can't imagine what's happened to little Rose Pierre. His nose dropped off. (laughs) No, he's got a tooth. His first tooth. Come and have a look at him. Who? Your little brother.
15: I ain't got no little brother.
8: You haven't got a little brother?
15: No, I divorced him.
8: (laughs) I never heard of such nonsense. Snooks, I can't understand why you don't show any affection at all for little Rose Pierre. I don't like him. Well, why not?
15: He hollers too much.
8: Well, of course he cries a lot. But that's only his way of letting us know that he wants something.
15: Why don't he ask for it?
8: Snooks, you know as well as I do that infants can't talk. Why? Because nobody talks until he's at least a year old.
15: That ain't what you said to Uncle Louis.
8: What did I say to Uncle Louis?
15: You said you cursed the day you was gone.
8: That has nothing to do with it. Come on and have a look at your brother's new tooth.
15: No, pull it out and bring it here.
8: you little savage. You'll be sorry for treating your brother like this. Why? He's crying. I'm going in there. Are you coming?
15: All right. But I only take a quick look.
8: Don't make too much noise. He's still half asleep.
15: He stopped, Dad.
8: Yes. Shh. Look at that little angel. (laughs) What a beautiful complexion.
15: Looks like a lobster.
8: <laughs> well, he is a little red.
15: His only baby's face is red?
8: Oh, no. Sometimes grown people's faces get red.
15: Yeah. Why? Oh, for
8: various reasons. Mostly a person's face turns red when he's ashamed. Oh. Uh, Daddy? Yes?
15: Why does Uncle Roy only get ashamed in his nose?
8: <laughs> we won't discuss that now. Why? Maybe Robespierre will open his mouth. Then you can see his tooth. Take a pen on him. I should say not. How can you think of hurting that little mind? He's so sweet and innocent. <laughs> Snooks, take a good look at him. You know?
15: <laughs> you may be looking
8: at a future president. I wonder what the fates have in store for him. Maybe he'll be a famous artist or a physician. I know he's going to make us all proud. You'll be happy to point him out as your brother. <laughs> Look at that firm little chin. That well-shaped head. Oh, what a child. Snooks, you're thinking, aren't you? Yes, Daddy. I thought so. What are you thinking about?
15: How long is a
8: snake's tail?
15: <laughs>
8: ah, you haven't got an ounce of sentiment in your body. Oh, look, look, Snokes. Right there in front. See the tooth? Isn't it wonderful? What's wonderful
15: about it?
8: Well, it's his first tooth.
15: Can he take it out?
8: Oh, of course not. Nobody takes the teeth out.
15: You always take Never mind that.
8: (laughs) My teeth have nothing to do with you.
15: Why do you put them in a glass? Snokes!
8: I'll thank you not to bandy my teeth about. I'm not as young as I used to be, and these things happen. Why? Well, let me explain something to you. To begin with, whether you like it or not, in a very short time, all of your teeth will fall out.
15: (laughs) I like it. Oh, you do? Yeah. I'll stick them in a pumpkin for Halloween.
8: (laughs) Very funny. All I'm trying to tell you is that your mouth is full of deciduous teeth.
15: I don't taste nothing. Of course not.
8: It just means you lose them. They are milk teeth.
15: Can I milk them? (laughs) No.
8: And remember, sirs, when a tooth falls out, put it under your pillow. What for? Well, a brownie will come while you're asleep and turn the tooth into a dime.
15: I want to put one out now.
8: Oh, don't be silly. I'm just trying to impress on your mind that teeth are vitally important to your health. You know how many types of teeth there are?
15: No.
8: Well, there's the incisors, the canines, the bicuspids, the molars, and later on you'll get wisdom teeth.
15: Wisdom teeth? Yes. When did you get yours?
8: Mine came very late. As a matter of fact, I didn't get my wisdom teeth until uh, after I was married.
15: Too late, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's
8: not necessary to make those remarks. Young kids uncanny. Uh-huh. Nothing. <laughs> Snooks! Don't try to loosen your teeth. I oh,
15: ought pull one out.
8: Oh, what for?
15: I want the brownie to change it into a dime.
8: Oh, Your teeth are still too tight. You'll have to be patient.
15: Oh. It's ropes, Pierre's teeth looser than mine.
8: Oh, I suppose so. Now, let's go back to the stuff.
15: You go, Daddy. I want to stay here a little while. <laughs>
8: Snooks. What have you got in your mind, (laughs) Martha? Are you thinking of tampering with the baby's tooth?
0: Who, me! Now
8: don't put on that innocent face.
0: Were you actually going
8: to to? Oh, I can't say it.
15: I'm to say it, Danny. Pull the (laughs) baby's tooth.
8: No, you weren't.
15: (laughs) Does he eat meat? No. Well. Get the idea. I think I do.
8: Uh, Snooks, uh, step outside with me. You uh, realize what terrible thoughts you've been harboring?
15: Uh huh.
8: Is there anything you'd care to say in your defense? No.
15: Shall I turn over?
8: There's no alternative. Ain't it awful? here we go again.
1: And last but not least, folks, here comes the strawberries and whipped cream on top of my afternoon sundae. And for this, I picked the Andrew Sisters. And it was the first show that they did, and it stars Gabby Hayes and Bean Crosby. I enjoyed it. It was a good show, so y'all enjoy it.
2: Miller. I'm an announcer by trade, but at present I'm holed up on the Andrews Sisters Dude Ranch. I've been working with the kids for years, but not until their Uncle Pete willed them this big ranch did I ever get this far out in the country. Let me tell you what happened the
4: first day. As we arrived at the little water stop station, well, kids, here
11: we are, the wide open spaces and look at all the fresh air. Gosh, just makes you want to breathe all the time.
2: Hey, look at the scenery. What a honey of a backdrop this would make for a theater.
0: Well, I'll be a ring-tailed horn toad if you three gals ain't the Andrews sisters.
11: And I'll be a killer it for Mamarilla if you ain't our ranch foreman, Gabby Hayes.
0: You're darned tootin', I am. Brother well, in from the ranch, fetch you, gal.
11: It's good to know you, Gabby. I'm Maxine. And I'm Patty.
0: I'm Laverne.
6: <laughs> well, now.
0: I'm mighty proud to pump your paws.
6: <laughs> well,
0: Sharks, I know which was which a minute I shot my eyes on you. Got your pictures all over my bunk. Especially Miss Patty's. <laughs> She's my pin-up gal.
11: Well, Gabby, where's our car? Let's get going.
0: Buggy's right there, Miss Maxine.
11: You mean we have to ride in a buggy?
0: Why, Miss Patty, that's one of the finest surreys in these parts.
11: Hmm, looks more like the surrey that the fringe fell off. <laughs>
0: Well, I suppose you know what your Uncle Pete left you.
11: I know. What did Uncle Pete leave?
0: A cactus plant in the mortgage. He got stuck on both of
11: them. Oh, wait till the dude ranch gets going. It'll pay for itself. Come on, Gabby. Make this buggy move. Yeah, this thing's slower than a Toonerville trolley. With my high starch collar and my high top shoes and my hair piled high up on my head. I went to lose. Jolly, I on the trolley and I lost my heart instead. With his light brown derby and his bright green tie, he was quite the handsomest man. I started to so I it to ten then I can to ten again. And I clang, playing bang, bang, bang with the trolley Ding, ding,
6: ding with the bell. And my heartstrings. For the moment I saw him, I fell. Chug, chug, chug went the motor. Thump, thump, thump went the
11: brake. Thump, thump, thump went my heartstrings. When he smiled, I could feel the car shake. He tipped his hat and took a seat. He said he hoped he hadn't stepped upon my feet. He asked my name, I have my breath. I couldn't speak because he scared me half to death. Buzz, 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 buzz went the buzzers.
6: Block, mm-hmm. block, block went the wheels. Mm-hmm. Stop, stop, stop went my heart screams. As we started to go, then I started to know our deal. When the universe rings. when the universe rings. with my hand and as if it were planned he stayed on with me and it was grand up to stand with his hand holding mine
2: That's how we arrived, and started right into dude ranching. And then the fun began.
11: Marvin, have you seen Gabby around?
2: Well, he was over at the cook shack about an hour ago, helping to get things ready for our New Year's party tonight.
11: Look, if Gabby doesn't leave that cook alone and quit fussing at him, he's going to get his beard clipped with a meat cleaver. Ah. And Gabby has such a pretty beard. Oh, Gabby doesn't mean any harm. If he wasn't fussing at someone, why well, he wouldn't be happy. I'm going to
0: fire that dad-blasted cook. if it's all that, of my natural life. That's what I'm going to do. I am.
11: Well, what's Elmo done now, Gabby?
0: What's he done? Why, he's been reading that fancy so much more. Hog, meat, they're grunting in their sleep. Yet so every time they turn over in their beds, they want to sing, I oh, wouldn't you rather be a pig? <laughs>
11: Oh, Gabby, you're stretching the truth. Oh, no, ain't
0: another. Oh, oh, Miss Patty, here. Telegram came in a while ago.
11: Oh, boy, maybe it's our first reservation for the ranch. Hey, kids, it's something Crosby. He's coming here. We'll read it quick so we can all shout. We'll arrive at your ranch Sunday, December 31st. Clear out a crib in the warm end of the barn. I'm going to hibernate for a spell. Sign Bing. December 31st? Why, that's today. Oh, Gabby, isn't it wonderful?
0: Yeah, I'm just thrilled pink. <laughs> you know, Gabby, things coming here will sure get our ranch to off to a good start. I can't see why the whole ranch has to get in an uproar over a buzzard what's got gravel in his gizzard.
11: Why, <laughs> Gabby, I believe you're jealous of things.
0: Me? Jealousy him? Why, he ain't nothing but a hog collar that got lucky. <laughs>
11: Oh, I just can't wait to hear him sing. Yeah.
0: Your voice sounds to me like a rusty gate hinge.
11: Yeah. Yeah. Gabby Bing's voice is a toast of the country. Toast
0: of the country? And he's <laughs> <Leap> scraping. <laughs> why, when the cattle around here hear him sing, they're going to raise the biggest beep in history. <laughs> Besides, where's he going to sleep? Well, well, Gabby, I thought maybe he could share your bunk. Well, I'd sooner sleep with a centipede. He likes horses that turn much, let him sleep in the stable.
11: Oh, now you're just trying to be funny.
0: Well, on am second thought, maybe he better not. You know, them horses might be smart. They might stomp him to death.
11: If you say another word against Bing, I'm going back to the ranch
0: house. Oh, all right. Oh, well, Miss Patty. Yes. Suppose you and me talk about. Me and you. Huh? You and me? That's what it said. Me and you. Yeah. Oh, shucks, Miss Patty, I'm going to come right out with it. I think you're as fine a little filly as ever I saw eyes on. And your skin? Your skin is as soft as a young calf's ear.
11: <laughs> Why, Gabby, you're nice to say things like
0: that. Well, I mean them. You're just as pretty as a picture. Nice frame, too. (laughs) Miss Patty? Yes,
14: Gabby.
0: Look at them two cows over there rubbing noses. Don't that make you want to do the same thing? Does
11: it make you want
0: to do the same thing? Hot ziggity, it sure does.
11: (laughs) Then go ahead, it's your call. (laughs)
0: Oh, shucks, Miss Patty. Say, how about singing that song? You were crooning to Marvin last night. All That's... right,
11: Daddy. Mm-hmm. Don't blame
6: me for falling in love with you.
11: I'm under your spell, so how can I help it? Don't... If I can't conceal the spirit that I'm feeling. It was,
0: this morning.
11: Yeah.
0: All this fuss over a groaner that's got sand in his crawl.
11: <laughs> oh, if Bingwood would come through that door right now, I'd grab him around the neck and give him a big kiss.
0: Well, fuck her up
2: and brand me, my little palomino filly. <laughs> Right. Thanks, young uns. My, ah, but you kids are looking as chipper as a coop full of catbirds.
0: All always nonsense.
2: Say, uh, what time do you have to get that beard back to Monty Woolley, there? <laughs> <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
11: Well, Bing, this is our foreman,
0: Gabby Hayes. Hi, Gabby. Hi, Flabby. <laughs>
2: this is an old hope I've got here. Hope Gonna
0: slip me some skin, ain't you? I'll slip you some skin. <laughs> I'll skin you up so your folks won't know you from a fresh hide.
11: <laughs> Come
2: on now, tighten your cinch, there, Shaggy. Your saddle's are slipping.
11: Oh, don't mind, Gabby Bing. See, we'd like some attention too.
2: Well, why not, Patty? You're so petite. You're like a bantam hen with a brood of baby chicks. Oh, Bing. And you, Maxine, you're still cute as a kitten.
11: Oh, Bing.
2: And Laverne,
0: you're looking fit as a plow mule. Oh. Oh, Bing. Yeah. Yeah. Shitty fella putting on air. Careful there,
2: Pops. Your grand's grabbing the Brandon Iron by the hot end.
0: Crosby, you got too much spread. I'm gonna clip your horn. <laughs>
11: Gabby, you behave. Mr. Crosby is our guest. He just thinks, kids, he's right here on our ranch. Crosby, the singer. That's me. Crosby the actor. That's me. And Crosby the millionaire. That's my brother, Everett. (laughs) (laughs) Say, Bing, Mm? how did you ever make up your mind to pay us a visit? Well,
2: I came for my health. Or get away from hope. (laughs)
11: Gee, we'd like to have Bob Hope come up here, too But we just don't have any place for him to sleep Maybe he could sleep in a calvinator
4: Can't
2: think of of a better place for an old ham Upper shelf, right in there
11: (laughs) No kidding, Bing What was your real reason for coming up?
2: Well, they locked
0: the door at Santa Anita So I became a homeless lad
11: (laughs) Tell us, Cross Did you ever have a horse that ran a good race?
0: The rest of this conversation will be conducted in a whisper. (laughs) Well, what do you know? A talking mop.
11: (laughs) Gabby, please don't insult Mr. Crosby.
0: So you got any good horses to sail, gals? Eh, what do you know about good horses? (laughs) The nags of yours are slower than a snail climbing a slick log.
6: What do you know about
0: horses, uh, Hedgehead?
6: <laughs> <laughs>
2: me,
0: not brain? <laughs> me, me that pals with Roy Rogers? Boy, uh, I, I lived with Trigger. <laughs> Makes a good parlay.
6: <laughs>
0: I, uh, that burned Tenderfoot trying to talk to me about horses. Why that tamest horse on this ranch It throw you so high, the birds will build a nest in your hair before you light. It. <laughs> Be pretty drafty up there. <laughs> Gabby, you couldn't ride anything wilder than a wheelchair. Why, your dad blessed me. Give me room, yeah.
2: gals. Give me room
0: here.
2: I'll turn you every way but loose. Oh, give me life, lots
6: of life, under starry skies above, don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. Don't
2: fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze and listen to the murmur
6: of the trees. Send me off forever, but I ask you please don't send me in. Just turn me loose, let me straddle, miles, saddle underneath the western sky on my coyote, let me wander over yonder till I see the mountains rise.
2: I want
6: to ride to the rain where the West commences and gaze at the moon till I lose my senses cause I can look at hobbles and I can't stand fences. Don't fence me. a high country that I love. Don't send me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze and listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off forever,
11: but I ask you please don't. Let me straddle my old saddle underneath
2: the western skies. On my caisse, let me wander over yonder till I see the mountains rise. I want to ride to
6: the ridge where the west commences and gaze at the moon till I lose my senses and I can't. Get hover than and I can't stand don't me
0: It's certainly great to be out in the West, where there's never a discouraging word.
11: Oh, yes, where there's never a discouraging word.
0: By the way, Cranby, Crabby. That
11: was Frankie Cernotri.
0: That's a discouraging word.
11: (laughs) Now, look, boys, you're going to have to quit fussing with each other. It's New Year's Eve, and we have a big party to look forward to. So please, let's be friendly.
2: All right, Patty, I agree. Gabby, old man, let's call off the dogs. I've only been fooling. Truthfully, Gabby, I,
0: I admire you a lot. Well, now, that's right, Michael, of you Bing. Tell you the truth, I've always admired you a lot. In spite of your singing. (laughs) Hey, hey, everybody, we just got an important message from the government.
6: Well, come on, let's tell all our neighbors.
0: Well, it's about
2: the merchant marine. Listen, they need 43,000 experienced seamen during the next 12 months. The need is especially urgent for experienced mates, engineers of all classes, able-bodied seamen, firemen, oilers, water tenders, radio telegraphers, cooks and bakers. And they'll take the last three, that's radio telegraphers, cooks, and bakers, without previous sea experience. If we're going to keep our armies supplied and our casualties down, we've got to fill the merchant marine quarter. Wherever possible, let every experienced merchant seaman who is now working on land return to the sea.
11: See, Bing, I'd like to hear you make a speech.
2: Well, then gather around, kids, because i got a sermon right here.
6: Stand
2: by. Positive elim minus negative latch on to the affirmative, don't mess with Mr. In between. You got to spread joy up to the maximum. Bring glue down to the minimum.
6: Have faith
2: or oh,
0: pandemonium liable to walk upon the scene.
6: Straight, his last remark Jonah in the well, Noah in the yard. What did they do just when everything looks so dark? Man, they said we better act, and she raised the positive, Ealing, minus the negative, latch on. To the affirmative, don't mess
2: with Mister In Between. No, do not mess with Mister Inbetween.
6: Oh, listen
11: to me, children, and you will hear about the listening of the negative and an accent on the positive. Gather
2: around me, children, if you're willing, and sit tight while I start reviewing the attitude of doing right.
6: You got to accentuate the positive the negative. Latch on to the affirmative.
2: Don't mess with
6: Mr. Inbetween. You got to spread down. Up to the maximum. Glue. Down. down to to the I'm a wise. I'm wise. liable to walk upon the stage. Well, demonstrate. My last remark. Oh, George. George, 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 no well, the floor is yours. Joe, I am not what did they say. What did it say? they say? Say when everything <laughs> looks so dark. <darned>, Man, <laughs> they say <laughs> we, we did a fair act. Hey, she the positive. He laid my name the negative. Lacked on to the affirmative. No. So
2: Folks, it's New Year's Eve. Out here on the eighth of the Bar Ranch, we're all gathered before a huge fireplace. We're going to listen to the writers of the Purple Sage sing one of the most beautiful songs ever written about the West.
6: Give the. i uh...
2: Plenty mellow out here. Comfy. Makes the fella think a bit. I was thinking that in a few hours it's going to be 1945. I have some friends who'd like to be home in 1945. So have you. Fellows for whom these holidays have only met days of blood and sweat and fire and destruction. Some days lately been a little tougher than others. If they don't bleat these boys, they do a job and they do it good. You'd be awfully proud if you could see them operate. They go to have got a hold of something there and they're not going to turn it loose until it's locked up. While they're out there fighting and dying, we must remember that they need us as much as we need them to make 1945 the year of victory. They need our letters to breathe hope into the dreams of home and burn in their hearts. On the battlefields, our blood is needed to fan back the flickering spark of life. And we must buy bonds and more bonds as a pledge of faith that before next New Year's Eve, The boys will be home. You're going to do something about it, aren't you?
11: that we sincerely hope you folks have enjoyed our first program. To Bing Crosby, well, oh, Bingo knows how we feel about him for coming here to help us get our new show started. So next week we're going to have another great guy with us, Eddie Cantor. Until then, so long, good luck, and a very happy new year from Nash Calvinator and the Andrews sisters. So please remember, we'll be with you next time.
2: Show Sponsored by Nash Kelvinator, peacetime manufacturers of Nash Motor Cars, Kelvinator and Leonard Home Appliances, now devoted 100% to war production, came to you from Hollywood. Bing Crosby appeared through the courtesy
4: of the Craft Music Hall, Gabby Hayes by courtesy of Republic Pictures.
2: The song Don't Fence Me In is from Warner Brothers New Picture Hollywood Canteen with an all star cast, including our own Andrew system. Accentuate the Positive is from Bing's new Paramount release. Here come the waves. This is
1: Marvin Miller speaking. This is the Blue Network.
2: Two o'clock at KECA, Los
6: Angeles.
1: Well, I hope y'all had as much fun as I have had today. And uh, because it's always such a pleasure for me to put together these shows for you. And um, Victor and I have fun putting it together so um at least i think he does don't you i do oh okay he do (laughs) but anyway um as i said remember to um leave us comments um and let us know of anything that you want to hear and (laughs) because if whatever it is i'll find it it's out there (laughs) and uh So anyway, you guys have a good week, and um, if you didn't get to see the show live today, remember it's on uh, any of the podcasts, and um, I think you can go back and catch it, not live, on Facebook, too. In the watch watch. section of Facebook. Oh, okay. I wonder what that watch section is for. (laughs) But anyway, y'all have a grandiose week, because I know I intend to. (laughs) See you next Sunday.
4: Bye-bye, everybody.